0: Listening to Radio Sputnik. Sputnik. Telling the untold. Welcome to the Open University of the Airwaves with George Galloway. Galloway. Only on Sputnik Radio.
1: There she was, tucked away in plain sight, not in Israel or in Paris, but in New Hampshire. Ghislaine Maxwell is finally under lock and key. Makes you wonder how the FBI took so long to locate her when her society friends in Britain appear to have been in regular touch with her, mainly to assure themselves that she wasn't going to put Prince Andrew in deep doo-doo. And speaking of deep doo-doo, Donald Trump's poll ratings are melting faster than his makeup. There's even quite a book now being opened on whether or not he'll even run in November. Meanwhile, Biden's still hiding. The basement tapes still keep coming out, but no rave reviews. And here in Britain, the Scottish nationalist vigilantes are lining up across the border, telling English travelers by car, to get the F out of Scotland. Believe it or not, they were done up in white suits with hoods. Yes, that's right. Scotland's KKK were telling the English to get lost, even though the furlough is mainly being paid for by the taxpayers in England. And even more pertinently, aeroplanes are landing in Edinburgh and Glasgow every 60 minutes from abroad And not so much as a temperature taken, never mind being turned away, at the Air Frontier. We'll be talking, of course, about the coronavirus and much, much else. This is a radio show with pictures. So fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be an unusually bumpy
2: ride. Radio Sputnik. We speak your language. The mother
0: of all talk shows. The only education you can get for free. George Galloway. This is Radio Sputnik.
1: This is London, but coming to you, of course, all over the world, thanks to the wonders of the internet, and SputnikNews.com. We're on FM in crystal clarity in the Washington, D.C. area. 105.5 are the magic numbers there. Big audience, by the way, in Washington, D.C., including several members of Congress. Imagine that! They're supposed to be boycotting RT, but they're watching the mother of all talk shows. We're on AM in the United States from Burning City to Burning City, and we'll be talking... Uh, To Robbie Martin, first up, about what's happening down on the street in the United States of America. Where's Biden hiding? And why are his basement tapes so absolutely execrable? And what's happening to Donald Trump? His poll ratings are now so dire uh, that there's a book being opened and quite short odds, remarkably, uh, that he won't even run in November. Personally, I doubt that. Myself. Uh, But we'll be talking up first here in my monologue uh, the seizure of Ghislaine Maxwell, the daughter of the late thief robber Baron Robert Maxwell. And seldom has an apple fallen closer to the tree than Ghislaine Maxwell. She was the old thief, the old scoundrel's favourite child, so much so uh, that he named his yacht off the back of which he fell or was pushed, the Lady Ghislaine. Well, Lady Ghislaine is currently behind bars, tasting porridge for the first time. Or is she? Has a deal been done with the FBI? Is it remotely plausible uh, that they did not know that she was hiding out in New Hampshire when they were supposedly scouring the world to interview her? as a suspect, having been named by literally dozens of young girls, some of them small children, who claim that Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein sexually abused them, attacked them, raped them. That's right, capital R, rape. There ain't no consent with a 14-year-old girl, Ghislaine. And, of course, Prince Andrew, uh, who famously cannot sweat, Was last seen sweating uh, because, of course, Ghislaine Maxwell was the air bridge uh, between the Jeffrey Epstein operation and the British royal family. Epstein regarded Prince Andrew and described him to witnesses as his Super Bowl icon. He was the jewel, imagine what a tawdry crown that must have been, the jewel in Epstein's crown, but there were many other uh, crusties in that crown. Uh, The uh, former president of the United States, Bill Clinton, for one. Uh, The would-be president of the United States, Hillary Clinton, for another. The former prime minister of Israel, Ehud Barak, and many, many other people are in this grisly tale of the Epstein operation. Now, I watched, as I told you, Uh, the uh, Netflix series on Epstein and it was very well done and it demonstrated uh, beyond any contradiction uh, the loathsome immorality uh, of the Epstein circle and the black book in which many big names are written have got something to answer for. I'm not saying that the likes of Tony Blair and Peter Mandelson uh, were ever up to no good with young girls on paedophile island or in the uh, gigantic townhouse in Manhattan, which Epstein miraculously purchased for $1 uh, off the uh, owner of Victoria's Secrets. Quite a secret, that one. How that $1 purchase came about. I'm not saying that, that uh, those who are in the black book Uh, are necessarily suspect uh, of of, uh, high crimes, uh, grave felons, Uh, but they do have to explain what first attracted them uh, to the billionaire Jeffrey Epstein. They do have to explain why uh, they were so friendly with Epstein, and especially after after he had already been convicted of sex offences against young girls. And preeminent amongst those is, of course, the Queen's son, Prince Andrew. Now we have a remarkable standoff here. Prince Andrew claims uh, that he's more than happy to cooperate with the FBI. The FBI keep demanding that Prince Andrew cooperates with them. So I'm offering myself uh, this evening Uh, to bring the two parties together. I'm more than happy to broker uh, a series of interviews between the FBI and His Royal Highness or His Royal Lowness, depending on how the interviews go. But somebody, somebody somewhere must be able to bring these two parties who say they are desperately keen to meet and talk and answer questions, must be able to bring them together. So much for the sex. It's always interesting. And in this case, it is utterly revolting, repulsive, disgusting, as low as it gets. Uh, But I also want to follow the money. I want to know where Epstein got all that money because there is no discernible trace uh, of how he earned uh, billions of dollars, much of which he left, uh, but uh, most of which he spent on a lifestyle that can only be described as plutocratic. He was living as if he was one of the richest men on the earth, in which case, where did he get that money? Whose money was it? Gillian Maxwell, It said, was given a $4 million helicopter as a present from Jeffrey Epstein. Where did that money come from? Where did the money come from for this series of luxurious properties all over the United States, all over Europe, and of course infamously in the Caribbean? Well, that island will come to be the focus of much attention when Ghislaine Maxwell goes on trial. Now, uh, I'd be uh, very surprised if Ghislaine Maxwell were to commit suicide in her cell. Uh, Probably not quite as surprised as she would be. uh, But it's very, very important uh, that the United States authorities keep this woman alive. Because she must see the inside of a courtroom. She must be made to answer the allegations that still stand against her and her late benefactor. It is remarkable because I have, since the early 1980s, uh, been at war with the Maxwell family, Uh, since the day probably before it, uh, that her father, Robert Maxwell, punched me full in the solar plexus in a BBC green room just before going on television for a live question time broadcast in full view of Sir Robin Day and the other panelists on the show that night. Ah, Mr. Galway, the PLO man, he said, prior to thumping me in the stomach so hard that I bent double and stood up straight with tears running down my face. I tabled motions in the House of Commons, asked questions in the House of Commons, covered, of course, by parliamentary privilege, which was the only way that the truth about Robert Maxwell could be uttered in this country without being crushed in a legal action, in a legal system that Maxwell manipulated to the ultimate degree. Uh, In the end, Mr. Maxwell, admittedly, posthumously, had to buy me a car and a wing on my house had to pay me a very substantial sum in damages, having defamed me in retaliation for my naming him in Parliament for multiple criminal activities. But more of that, I'm sure, later. Donald Trump was a pal of Jeffrey Epstein too, just not as big a pal as Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton appear to have been, or Peter Mandelson. Uh, for that matter. So the Epstein affair is perhaps not uh, an existential danger to Donald Trump's presidency, but there are other existential dangers. As I said earlier in my introduction, uh, the bookies are taking bets now and offering short odds on Trump being forced out of the race uh, by plummeting poll numbers. The basement tapes pitiful though they are, uh, for Haydn Biden are still coming out and Biden's opinion poll rating is currently 50% to Donald Trump's 36. Even in Ohio, Biden is substantially ahead of Trump, which would mean an electoral college landslide. Now you may say, why? Why would Trump bow out? There appears still to be life in a just not life as we know it. Well, here's the reason. Donald Trump's going to badly need a pardon and he can't pardon himself. If he is not to spend the rest of his life behind bars or in courts trying to stay out of prison, he's going to need a president in place that can pardon him for any crime or misdemeanor uh, that he may have committed. That would argue in favor of him making way before November for Vice President Pence, who would then pardon President Trump, who could then go off to golf till his heart's content and as long as his bone spurs sustained him on the 18-hole walk around the course. Uh, It's a long shot for me. I don't myself see it. Uh, But it's short odds now at the bookmakers in the United States of America. We'll be discussing it uh, with Robbie Martin and Anya Parampil in the show today. We'll be talking, of course, about Venezuela, where, as I I think predicted last week in the short which we showed you from RT, uh, that the High Court in London would legalise theft without even wearing a mask. Uh, they legalized the theft of a billion dollars worth of Venezuelan gold bullion, handing it to a man in the street on the flimsiest of grounds that that man had declared himself to be the president of Venezuela. It has not just been a theft, it's been a murder. It has murdered London's reputation as a financial center. And I have no hesitation in saying To anyone who will listen, don't keep your money in London. If I were to win the national lottery, the last place in the world I'd keep the money is London, because London's banks are run by thieves, T-H-I-E-V-E-S, thieves. That's what you've done, high court justices, that's what you've done, Her Majesty's government, you've destroyed one of the few assets that this country any longer possesses, that of being a safe haven uh, for people's money. As safe as the Bank of England used to be a thing when I was young. Turns out the Bank of England ain't safe at all. And we'll be talking, of course, about the Scottish nationalist cagoules at the border uh, with their literally with their, uh, their uh, suits, I don't know what you call them, nuclear, biological, chemical suits, and hoods, and gloves, and rubber over their shoes, who were arranged over the border between Scotland and England, telling English travellers entering Scotland how they knew they were English travellers, of course, is a moot point, because I was one of them perfectly legally, going from one part of my country to another part of my country, telling them to get the F out of Scotland, but to leave their money uh, before they turned back. Because of course, uh, the Scottish economy, uh, like the English and Welsh economies, would literally now have collapsed if it were not for the expenditure of the monies from the treasury in London, From the taxpayer of the entire UK, uh, which has, through the furlough scheme, saved the jobs of many hundreds of thousands of people in Scotland and many tens of thousands of uh, businesses. So uh, tourists from England, not wanted on voyage. Furlough, taxpayers' money, leave it, please, at the border and we'll pick it up. This on the day uh, that the uh, independence side of the great debate in Scotland finally tipped in favour of the Scottish nationalists. 54% say in a poll of 1,124 people, admittedly, uh, that they will be voting for independence if another referendum comes along. Uh, and only, uh, therefore, uh, that's more or less a reversal of the figure that was uh, achieved in uh, 2014, the first time this matter was considered in a referendum, a referendum which we were told was a a once-in-a-lifetime affair, once-in-a-generation affair at least, but which turned out to uh, not be accepted by those who lost it, who've been agitating for another go in the morning ever since. My uh, position is clear. I think the breaking up of a small island of English speaking people would be a very bad idea and it would be particularly bad for the Scottish working class, which is the class about which I care the most. So we'll be talking about all of these things and the 72nd birthday of the National Health Service. And we've got a poll running, what birthday present should the NHS receive? A, a PFI write-off, that's the Private Finance Initiative, which has turned into a giant albatross around the neck of the National Health Service, introduced first by the Conservatives, but multiplied many times over uh, by that most Scottish of all governments, Tony Blair, Gordon Brown, Robin Cook, uh, Donald Dewar, Uh, Alistair Darling and so on. There were more Scots in that government that landed the NHS with this uh, huge yoke around its neck than any government in all history. So if being governed by Scots is thought to be the be-all and end-all, the Blair-Brown years would seem to suggest that that ain't necessarily all that matters. So A, a PFI write-off. B, Big pay rises for the NHS staff or see free tuition fees for nurses. You can vote now on my Twitter feed at George Galloway. There's more, much more of this.
0: Stay tuned. Radio Sputnik.
3: Hello, Peach of Express Woking. What is it you want? Oh, you want an ill-advised interview on the BBC. A cheese pizza, extra immature, and a raw bailout. No, we don't take taxpayers' money. Yeah, but we do take contactless. Would you like a receipt for that, Mr Prince?
0: of all talk shows join our faculty of legends contributors and callers everyone is welcome
1: so first to the united states robbie martin filmmaker extraordinaire and of course co-host of media roots radio joins us now uh, i hope uh, from the united states robbie welcome back uh, to the mother of all talk shows Uh, let's start uh, if we may uh, with this idea uh, that has uh, begun to circulate quite powerfully in the United States, that Donald Trump won't even turn up in November, that he'll chuck it beforehand in order to get a pardon for anything he's done wrong from Vice President Pence, who would then become the Republican nominee.
4: Where do you stand on that? Well, thanks for having me back, George. Um, I, You know, it's interesting you ask that because... I I think what I've been seeing—and I think that's what's kind of going under the radar is that it's not just Biden who appears to have some form of serious cognitive decline. I would say, based on that last Mount Rushmore speech with Trump, uh, my main takeaway from it, other than him being really desperate in his rhetoric, is that he appears to be suffering from some kind of physical brain ailment or cognitive decline that—I mean, if I was his (laughs) age— Um, I would think about just throwing in the towel just in terms of, uh, you know, the, the stress of the job um, and whatever effect it might be having on this potential physical condition he's suffering from. Um, I wasn't even personally factoring in the idea that he would want to pardon, but that's, that's definitely an interesting component that, I mean, could be very real. Um, who knows what will continue to come out you know, you know, Michael Cohen, I mean, what, what's even his deal? Like, what does he have to say still? I mean, I don't trust the guy, but there's still a lot of loose ends in terms of people that can, you know, pull the rug out from under him in terms of his criminal activity. So I definitely think that's possible.
1: Well, uh, it just seems to me that the, the Democrats will be so vengeful towards Donald Trump. And with the support of, of course, the fake news media that Trump has been lambasting, Uh, in uh, virulent terms for four years, uh, that the chances of Donald Trump leaving office peacefully and then spending the next few years in courts, if not in jail, uh, that would be a powerful incentive, I think, to Donald Trump to bail out early. uh, Pence becomes the stand-in president and pardons uh, Trump for any and all uh, allegations of criminal Uh, behavior. Uh, I would have thought that was quite an interesting offer for President Trump.
4: Yeah, I mean, it it could be potentially, depending on what—I mean, it would be interesting to know what things Trump may believe are looming over him criminally. Um, That's something I I haven't really considered. But now that you're mentioning it, I mean, there's got to be there's got to be stuff out there. I mean, even just the let's even just talk about what you were bringing up earlier, the Epstein stuff. I mean, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, what's going to come out from her trial? What's going to come out from Alan Dershowitz? He just tweeted a few hours ago that he hopes there's videotapes that Epstein made uh, because he believes he'll be exonerated if they're if they are. Um, so that could be that probably also- means that are on, Robbie. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> or that they're um, in a safe place. Yeah, yeah, or he's or he has some kind of really crazy fetish that he wants those videos to come public. I, I have no idea, but um, the yeah, it's it. I think that could be tent- potentially be very bad for Trump if that comes out because I think based on his behavior last time when Epstein was actually put in jail before he committed suicide, um, Trump was awfully mum about that, and you would think for someone who was that reviled. Trump would have a lot of horrible things to say about them, but he was awfully quiet. So I think that that signals that there is something in that Ghislaine Maxwell arrest that will come back to haunt him for sure. So it could even just be something like that, potentially.
1: Were you shocked by Ghislaine Maxwell's suicide next week?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Yes, I was, George. I was. I was. I was very shocked.
1: Do you think she'll uh, end up on trial or she cut a deal with the
4: feds? I believe that she will cut some kind of deal um, I, I believe that she will uh, and I don't know what kind of deal that will be but if she ha- spills all the dirt it'll unravel this three decade four decade long <laughs> you know family lineage lineage of uh, deep state and conspiracies that um, will blow everybody's mind I mean just the, just her father and her sisters um, that Whitney Webb has been recently talking about is uh, is pretty revealing so um, yeah, I mean, I I'm looking forward to seeing whatever will come out, but I I do unfortunately, George, I do think she will cut some kind of plea deal. Her charges are actually not even for um, underage child sex; they're for something else. So that to me signals that this might not be as good or as you know explosive as everybody's hoping it's going to be. But well, I'm still so it, holding. It may be that they've be- they've spent the last uh,
1: year or more when they were supposedly looking for Ghislaine Maxwell, actually negotiating with Ghislaine Maxwell uh, on what she might plead to.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. And and what was this strange situation where she was um, staying with some corporate CEO in some, you know, rural mansion somewhere? Um, you know, who's that guy? Uh, like, it's just strange how many connections she seems to have to different oligarchs and people who are like billionaires and multimillionaires. Um, but yeah, I think it's very, very likely she already cut some kind of plea deal. Uh, this will unravel the lives and the reputations of so many elites that it'll, it'll be prevented in some form, whether that means that- what's
1: happening uh, down on the street, Robbie, there's virtually no coverage now uh, of these demonstrations and attacks on statues and so on. But as I understand, they're all still going on and in significant numbers.
4: That's absolutely right, George. I think what happened was the media was really covering them initially because of all the rioting and the property destruction. And they kind of created this narrative where it was like, we will sort of back this, you know, ideologically if the, p- the protests are very, very safe and peaceful. And I think um, after that, oddly, uh, they completely stopped covering it for the most part. Um, that I think that's—I mean, I think it's just—it drove ratings to, you know, cover things that looked bad, scary, things on fire. And now that it's just all peaceful protests, it's not really a ratings driver. It's not really, you know, going to generate them advertising revenue. So I think from that perspective, that's probably why they aren't covering it. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's They're still going on. Um, there was just a Columbus—Christopher Columbus statue knocked down in Baltimore, barely got any coverage. So. Um, that is definitely true. It seems like the right media are the ones mostly covering it now because they want to, you know, drum up hysteria against the left. So the corporate media has kind of dropped that subject for the time being. There's never
1: been a 4th of July like this one, has there? Uh, uh, Well over 100,000 people dead, uh, almost 30% unemployment, uh, not safe to go out, uh, two- uh, two imbecilic candidates uh, fighting each other for president, and Kanye West and Kim Kardashian enter the scene. Uh, Is this serious? Are are they
4: actually going to run for president? I mean, I I can't say, but uh, I can say that if Kanye actually does run, um, he'll, he will be able to move the needle and, ca- and capture a lot of votes. So if he's serious and if he somehow gets actually on the ballot, um, it's definitely going to have a real impact on the election. And uh, there's no denying that. I mean, so I don't know if, you know, if any, any other celebrities run into the race, but it's pretty wild. Um, you know, and I, I don't know. You know, a lot of people are sort of conspiracizing now that he's doing it because he's trying to split the vote and give votes to Trump. I don't know if I believe that. I don't. His relationship with Trump seems to be strategic. Uh, there are people who have sort of unpacked that whole thing and made it appear that Kanye is actually a huge supporter of Black Lives Matter and that he's merely, you know, trying to get some kind of criminal justice reform out of his relationship with Trump. I don't know if I fully believe that, um, but that's what some people are saying right now. So you know, there's different conspiracies about it, but in general, I mean, I think He's going to have a huge impact on the election, and it'll be weird because Kanye, um, you know, was was talking about things that were like Pizzagate and things like years ago. So who knows what his actual campaign platform is going to be, but I'm looking forward just to see how weird it will be.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he better uh, watch uh, how he goes Uh, also, because uh, a lot of the things he's been talking about are about the very same people we were discussing around the Epstein affair,
4: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Kanye is deep, deep in Hollywood, you know, so um, it'd be very interesting to see how that all plays out. But I I kind of have a feeling and I I heard comedian Tim Dillon say this, and I think there's some truth to this, that I think Trump maybe even will want to step down from the presidency because he misses Hollywood, even though all of Hollywood hates him. I feel that Trump might want to somehow win those people back over again and want to return there because he's—so many people hate him right now. I can't imagine that he enjoys that just based on, who you know, his personality. So I don't know. That's just a thought I keep having. So maybe—maybe maybe it's kind of appropriate if Trump returns to Hollywood and then Kanye becomes president of the United States. <laughs>
1: With Kim Kardashian as the first lady, uh, remarkable uh, thought. Uh, now, f- uh, finally, Robbie, and I'm grateful uh, for your time. Uh, the Biden-Biden. Uh, can he <laughs> actually refuse to do any debates in the presidential election because it's working for him so far? Uh, he literally is producing basement tapes, uh, and he's at fifty percent in the polls.
4: I think that's a very good question, George, and I. Absolutely, think that there we will see in the coming months some kind of push by the DNC or Biden's campaign saying that a debate we can't do a debate because of COVID and because of the lockdowns, or even potentially we can't allow people to vote in the general election. So that's that's skipping ahead, but I mean, if this if if the COVID keeps spiking here in the United States, um, I think it's very very likely we won't, won't have any debates at all, and. I can't even imagine uh, Biden debating Trump. I mean, he would get absolutely trounced. There's just no chance um, that he would do well against Trump. So, yeah, I absolutely think that they'll try to figure out a reason to wiggle out of it. And we're going to probably see announcements or signaling towards that effect in the coming months.
1: Now, neither of them is going to uh, end up on Mount Rushmore. Uh, But it was quite poignant, I thought. Uh, this weekend, uh, not just the unhinged speech of uh, President Trump, who appeared to say that Operation Desert Storm was a battle fought in the Vietnam War, which, of course, he dodged uh, on account of his bone spurs, which miraculously cured themselves when he took up golf. Um, But the people who own Mount uh, Mount Rushmore who owned it, for whom it was sacred, and it was stolen from them when gold was discovered in them thar hills. Uh, they were there as kind of ghosts in the background, weren't they?
4: Yeah. I mean, Mount Rushmore has a very odd and troubled history. I mean, I was just reading that, um, you know, for a, a monument that appears to be in the tradition of sort of the grand Masonic you know, architecture in the United States tradition, um, a lot of these stone cutters who actually worked on uh, Mount Rushmore died um, from lung illnesses. And that's not even mentioning that the guy who made it it was a Ku Klux Klan member. Um, there's so many weird things about Ru- Mount Rushmore. The original design for it, too, was they were going to actually make a full body. You know, if it took that long to build it, almost 25 years, they were going to make a full body representation of all these presidents. And imagine how garish and horrific that would have looked carved into the side of a mountain. So I guess we're lucky that all we got was an unfinished, you know, four presidents' busts on the side of a mountain. But yeah, it's it's really sad to think that that was, you know, a sacred Native American site. Um, the whole the whole mountainside of it looks gorgeous. I mean, the original, you know, rock formations. Um, so yeah, it is it is quite a tragedy, and I think that. Um, Trump is almost kind of doing a preemptive strike. And I think that what, what his speech really illustrated for me is that this campaign has become desperate. If he's, if he's essentially waging war against the left, social justice warriors, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, communists, I mean, it just seems like a really desperate play going into the election. And I don't quite even know if, you know, people in his team agree with that strategy. Um, I would be surprised if they did. Uh, so I am confused that he is appearing this desperate, and I don't know if it's actually going to work to his advantage. I mean, it will will rile up his base, but that's not enough to you know necessarily really power him to to th- the election. It's going to be Biden being so awful of a candidate that's basically going to be his ace in the hole. I think so. Maybe he's just counting on that. Robbie Martin, as always, thanks for joining
1: us on the mother of all talk shows. Much appreciated. Now, the poll's running. What birthday present should the National Health Service receive? A, a PFI write-off, 30%. B, big pay risers, 40%. C, free tuition fees for nurses, 30%. You can vote now on my Twitter feed, at George Galloway. Let's squeeze in a call. Kurshid in Leicester, under lockdown. Go ahead, Kurshid. Hi, Mr. Galloway. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Nice to hear from you, sir. Thank you.
5: Uh, I just wanted to ask you a question. I was wondering, uh, it's more like a hypothesis, but I was just wondering, what do you think about it? Uh, that is, I mean, the, um, we know from from before that Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, they were quite close to Donald Trump, They knew Donald Trump personally. And uh, after Jeffrey Epstein's arrest and death in the prison last year. Mm. It is a bit odd to me that the FBI, because in the news today, and last week I saw that FBI was saying they knew where Delaine Maxwell was hiding, and they've decided to arrest her now. It seems a bit odd to me that the timing of her arrest, because uh, we are seeing that the media, or the most of the American media, I don't know Over the whole, most of the American media, but a large chunk of American media or the deep state is plotting to get rid of Donald Trump. Sure. Is there a correlation between the Ghislaine Maxwell arrest and upcoming U.S. presidential election? Could well, there be a link there? Th-
1: there could, of course, uh, and uh, And Robbie was just uh, alluding to the somewhat of a mystery of uh, what happened to the relationship between Epstein and Trump. I mean, they were both in New York. Uh, They were both, uh, uh, quote-unquote, pussy-grabbing, misogynistic, sexist, uh, and alleged rapist in Donald Trump's case. They had exactly the same uh, predatory uh, attitudes towards women. Uh, We have the LockerGate uh, scandal uh, before Uh, Trump's election, which revealed how Trump viewed women, including married women, uh, as uh, mere uh, fruits for him to pluck. Uh, And uh, it seems odd that he wouldn't have been chummy uh, with uh, Jeffrey Epstein, who was involved in exactly the same kind of predatory games. Um, On the other hand, Epstein's relations with the Democrats uh, are undoubtedly deeper and more people are involved. Uh, Epstein uh, was not a conservative. Uh, He was a part of that New York democratic milieu. Uh, There's no suggestion, I think, that Trump was on the the, uh, aeroplane that Trump was on the island, Uh, but uh, Bill Clinton flew on the airplane many, many, many times, and visited the island many, many, many times. Uh, And uh, that included not just Bill Clinton, but Hillary Clinton also. So it seems to me that both parties uh, are uh, compromised by their relationship to uh, Jeffrey Epstein Khrushchev, Thanks for that first call. Uh, Now, uh, every week I do a short for RT. It's only four minutes. Take a look. This one's on Afghanistan. In the whole history of fake news, there's never been a more fake piece of news than the New York Times story about the Russians paying the Taliban to kill American soldiers. For a start, the idea that the resistance to foreign occupation in Afghanistan needs paying, well, that's a bit out of date. The last people to pay for resistance in Afghanistan was not Russia, but the United States of America throughout the 1980s. Billions of dollars in money and material, weapons and propaganda support was poured in by the United States taxpayer into the fathers or older brothers of the Taliban. And the purpose was not to kill American soldiers, but to kill Russian soldiers, thousands of whom they did kill. You might call it a bounty, a dollar bounty for every Russian head brought in. But the Afghans have been resisting foreign occupation for centuries, if not millennia. From Alexander the Great, right up to Donald Trump, not the Great. The Afghan people have never accepted the foreign occupation of their country. You can ask the histories of the British army itself, which was three times sent packing by the Afghan resistance. The Afghan people will not accept foreign soldiers on their land and never have. And they don't need anybody in moscow to pay them but the reality is this story which was planted by sections of the united states intelligence services in the new york times was then spread across the whole world despite the fact it was completely baseless and had no evidence attached to it at all it was a fact-free story and is now completely disputed by the intelligence chief of the United States himself. They said the president was briefed on this fake news story. But in fact, he was never briefed because the intelligence services chiefs themselves knew that the story was completely baseless. The question that arises, therefore, is why was this story planted? Well, we now know Because the Democrats in Congress have now tabled obstacles to Donald Trump's plan to withdraw American soldiers from the disaster of Afghanistan. Just in case you've forgotten, we invaded Afghanistan, Britain and the United States and one or two other European countries, as long ago as 2001 or 19 years ago. The First World War lasted four years. The Second World War lasted six years. That's ten years in total. We've been in Afghanistan almost 20 years, almost twice as long, and have achieved absolutely nothing. All the blood that was spilled, the blood of our own soldiers, the blood of American soldiers, but overwhelmingly, of course, the blood of Afghan civilians, has all been shed entirely in vain. The political situation in Afghanistan today is exactly what it was when all of this began. If the foreign forces withdrew from the country, the Taliban would be back in control before you could say Jack Robinson. And they didn't need President Putin's rubles in order to motivate them to do so. And when the Taliban are back in power, all the parents of all the soldiers that we lost there Will be asking, what was all of that for? So just remember, it wasn't the Russians that were paying the Islamist fanatics in Afghanistan. It was the Americans.
0: Have something to say? Do you disagree with George? Then call us now and give us your view.
1: Don't forget to vote on my Twitter feed. What birthday present should the National Health Service receive? My Twitter feed, at George Galloway. Samson on Facebook says, Sean Atwood is really good. He's coming up shortly. Be interesting to hear what he says Maxwell can expect in prison and what he thinks about the circumstances around Epstein's death. And Connor also says, Can't wait. Sean Atwood is always a great guest. Maisie says, The British government is most likely trafficking young men and women in this country. Why are there no arrests? And Arthur says, for Maxwell to leave a safe home in France into the welcoming hands of the FBI suggests a deal has been done. Already the wheels of injustice have moved into gear. Very interesting conspiracy theory. That one might have some legs. We'll talk to Sean shortly about that. Let's take some calls though. John is in Berkshire in England. Let's hear from him. Go ahead, John. Hi, George. Good talk show. Every Thanks. Sunday as usual. Thanks, mate. Uh,
6: listen, this Prince Andrew, Epstein, Maxwell thing, yeah. this has got to come to a close. It's been going on far too long. The victims need closure. Now, Prince Andrew's got diplomatic immunity. Uh, okay, we understand that. I believe that can only be used once. Has he already used it? Is this why he's not going to the US? Also, I think that the assets like that, Galena Maxwell's got, get them frozen, the helicopter the mansions, get that sold off and put the money into the NHS. That helicopter, £4 million, can save a lot of lives used as an air ambulance. And uh, I think the Home Secretary needs to start putting a foot in to get this man over to the United States now.
1: Powerful, John. Many thanks for it. Sam is in Cologne in Germany. Let's talk to him. Sam, go ahead, sir.
7: Hello, Mr. George Galloway.
1: How are you? By the grace of God, I'm good. Thank
7: you. Go ahead. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yes, I want to talk about the fake socialists like uh, Bernie Sanders and Jeremy Corbyn. Actually, they disappointed their their left movement, the socialists, and also uh, the workers. For example, Jeremy Corbyn has said in uh, 2017 that he gonna respect the result of referendum uh, to um, leave the European Union, but unfortunately that doesn't happen, and therefore they've disappointed the uh, the will of the people and the same thing to the to Bernie Sanders he said that i'm gonna fight till the end, and unfortunately. He uh, betrayed also the people, the uh, the left movement uh, in the United States, and he called actually uh, Joe Biden uh, as a friend. Oh, Joe yes. Biden, his friend, Biden, his
1: friend Joe Biden. Yeah,
7: his friend Joe Biden. Joe Biden. He's a rapist. Actually, he's a war criminal, and he said also that uh, Bernie Sanders had said the, Joe, that Joe Biden has voted for the war on Iraq and he called it uh, he called he, uh, his uh, his friend and that's a paradox unfortunately and these are uh, unfortunately they gonna not help the our movement i mean the, the left movement in the world so therefore they have deep, uh, disappointed us unfortunately
1: Well, uh, thank you for that, Sam. I've spoken many, many times about the disappointment of Jeremy Corbyn uh, and even Bernie Sanders, though he's not really uh, my responsibility. uh, But Jeremy Corbyn uh, is a part of the British labor movement and therefore uh, my relationship to his disappointment is more exact, more immediate. Uh, and if you want to know more about what I've said about that, you can look at the uh, speeches I've given. I speak every Tuesday evening uh, on uh, all platforms. You can look back at the ones that we have held on these very subjects. Uh, let me give you the number again. If you're calling us from the UK, it's 02077 982 That's 02077 982 If you're calling us from the US... It's one 744 4480 Or you can tweet at George Galloway, at RTUK News, and preferably both. And you can vote what birthday present should the NHS receive. Writing off of its uh, private finance initiative debt is up two on 32%. Big pay rises still ahead, but down one on 39%. And free tuition fees for nurses. Down one, also uh, on twenty nine percent. Let's go to Georgie in Spalding, uh, in on the
8: NHS. Go ahead, Georgie. Hiya, George. I hope you're doing well. You're looking in fine fettle. Thank you. Um, I'm in yeah. fighting form, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Right now, I've gone to the PFI because I'm thinking if we write that off then we can restructure the whole system, which it really, really needs. If you get people promoted to their level of incompetence, being managers, etc. And and then we'll get the others, uh, like free car parking along with the rest of it. That will come into play as well. Sorry, the dog started barking. That's
1: okay. Um, Do you work in the NHS, Georgie?
8: Yes, I do. And I've, um, I've had my COVID test back because I was rather poorly at the beginning of last week. And it's negative, but I don't trust it. So I'm keeping in isolation for seven days. Okay.
1: Um, but you're absolutely I right. I mean, if I was voting on this, my vote goes <laughs> to A. Uh, because if yes. you write off the PFI, you are freeing up uh, a gigantic sum of many hundreds of millions of pounds. Uh, that we are paying in debt charges on the PFI contracts. And you can use that to improve the service, improve the pay, uh, scrap the tuition fees and so on. If you you write off PFI, then you've got a lot more money to play with.
8: Exactly, and, and remember, I mean, I'm a nurse myself, but it's not just nurses, it's the whole of the workers. And what we've got is all these trusts that compete with each other rather than associating with each other. And you'll get, for example, my bugbear is the poor old porters that deal with all sorts. Um, some trusts, they just paid minimum wage and they do not get enhancements for weekend and anti-social hours work. Other trusts, they do get the enhancements. And it's all... Oh, it just needs sorting out. And like I say, I mean, we had the CAO of um, one of the trusts that I used to work in, who phoned up the ward and spoke to one of the deputy sisters. Well, he didn't, sorry, he said that he did, I've corrected myself there, saying, oh, this bloke that died of COVID, can you tell me about him? And she told the person to go forth and multiply not so many terms because basically they wanted to eulogise about this chap that never meant he blue about not enough PPE, and then he died from it. So anyway, that's my little
1: bugbear on there today. Well, uh, I'll shut up, George. No, it's you know a me. great call, a very, very sad uh, story that uh, I must say. Linda on the email says, Why has the government not included Portugal as an air bridge? I have just returned from two weeks in Borgao, she says. The people were wearing masks, social distancing, cautious and polite. The only risk I had was getting off the plane at Luton Airport, where I sat against the window and watched people pushing to get off and watched crowds of people with no masks or social distancing. The good people of the Algarve will have their economy ruined by a government that are clueless. Uh, It seems poor reward for uh, Portugal being the oldest ally of Great Britain and all that. Uh, Jim says... They've been likely negotiating with Ghislaine for weeks. Her insurance against being murdered is that she has some very interesting pictures of some very powerful people being entertained by Jeffrey and others. The fact that she has now been discovered and arrested indicates that terms have been agreed. these are likely for a much reduced sentence and that the third party continues to hold copies, ensuring she keeps breathing. The question is, are the FBI there to A, uphold the law, or B, to protect the rich and powerful? <laughs> Good question. Michael is in Clapton. Go ahead, Michael. Hi there, George. Hi, um, Go I've ahead. Just,
6: I, I would like to know if you could clarify um, your stance on the Black Lives Matter position. Mm. I'm of the view that all lives matter, sure and do, in yeah. conversation with various people, it appears I'm a racist for saying that.
1: No, it depends the context uh, in which you're saying it. I mean, self-evidently, all lives matter uh, if you are a decent human being at all. Uh, But as I put it the other week, let me repeat it. If your wife asks you if you love her, it's not the right time to say, I love everybody. Uh, It would be true to say that. Uh, but it would not be the right time to say it. If your colleague says to you, my father just died, uh, it's not the right time to say, well, everybody's father dies. Uh, That also is true, Uh, but it's not the right time to say it when the agony of black people is all over your television screens because of the disproportionate number of them uh, being killed and assailed uh, by law enforcement agencies in the United States. You get me, Michael. No, no, I don't, George, because I think
6: you're um, not using the same sort of criteria. To say that um, in the two things you've just quoted, um, it's, it's pretty indisputable that, you know, what you were said. But when it comes to, um, bearing in mind that we've all got one aim, is to crush racially, Racism. Well, Um, but we don't all have that
1: one aim. No, no, but fair-minded thinking people... um, Well, you know, tell tell that to the cops in the United States. You see, this uh, is the point, this phenomenon, the proximate cause of all of this is the deep-seated, violent racism against black people in the United States uh, in particular, but in many other countries, including our own, around the world. Now, unless black lives matter, then all lives don't matter. Uh, so what's the problem uh, with uh, both slogans at the same time, Michael? Oh, I, I agree.
6: But, but I agree. Great. Um, to a certain extent. But <laughs> in conversations you have with people, as soon as you say all Lives
1: Matter
6: mm. is what I would say is more important than Black Lives Matter because it covers Black Lives.
1: Well, but then, but but people tell well, me but, I'm a racist. But that's the problem, Michael. It doesn't self evidently. Uh, we've talked for weeks now about the number of people of colour uh, who are uh, killed by the security forces in the United States of America. Uh, and we know. Uh, of what happened in history, not just in the United States of America, but even uh, here. We know that much of the wealth of this country, in Glasgow, in Liverpool, in Bristol, in London, uh, was built on the enslavement of black people. So black lives have not mattered in the past. So what's the problem with embracing the slogan Black lives matter. In fact, all lives matter. But if black lives don't matter in practice, then all lives don't matter. Thanks for the call, Michael. Uh, Now, whichever platform you're watching us on, take a minute, please, to press the share button. Tell your friends about the mother of all talk shows on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook. But for the first time, if you use Twitch, yes, we're on another platform now. 13 platforms we're going out on this evening, and one of them is Twitch, T-W-I-T-C-H. Search for Moats TV. M-O-A-T-S-TV. We've got a new account there. You can join us on Twitch from this very platform this evening. Uh, so uh, whatever you do, share, share, share. Uh, Graham says, I selected PFI write-off because managers who agree sensible contracts at good prices are generally fiscally competent wasn't an option. And Timor says big pay deal instead of patronizing hand clapping. And Alwis says NHS staff have to pay for parking at their own workplace. You couldn't make that up, could you? The height of COVID saw many crying as they were fined a penalty for exceeding their time because they were working in the hospital in a public health emergency. This abhorrent parking tax must be abolished for key workers in general and the NHS in particular. That is absolutely true. And uh, Yoda says, you should have given Maxwell a left and right cross, George, finished with an uppercut of a Glasgow kiss. I wish I'd thought of that. Uh, Listen, the first hour is almost by, but there's two more hours to come. So stay tuned to the mother of all talk shows. And first, the news with Jamie Lowe.
0: Curious about our curriculum? Have something to say? Then call us now to join the debate on the mother of all talk shows with George Galloway.
9: Join every Tuesday to Loud and Clear for a regular segment called False Profits, a weekly look at Wall Street and corporate capitalism, where we talk about the big economic issues of the week from the point of view of working people, the poor, and the U.S. position in the global economy. Join us this Tuesday and every Tuesday with financial policy analyst Daniel Sankey right here on Radio Sputnik.
10: It's time to double down with Max and Stacy. Yeah, double down. We're talking markets, finance, business, economics, ka-chang, bling, just about everything money related on Sputnik. It's called Double Down. We're asking, are dead cats bouncing or have fundamentals changed? That's this week on Double Down.
2: Radio Sputnik. We speak your language find us at sputniknews.com. dot com
3: radio sputnik news The rate of new coronavirus deaths is almost entirely preventable, the UK government's former chief scientific advisor has said today. Sir David King claimed that a further 27,000 excess deaths are likely between now and next April under current approaches to tackling the pandemic and that this was unacceptable and immoral. Sir David, who has been critical of the easing of lockdown measures, said we need to look at the fastest route out of COVID-19 and the current one is not right. He said it looked as though Downing Street's policy was to maintain the current level of about 3,000 new infections per day across England. His comments come as pubs, restaurants, cafes and hair salons reopened across England on Saturday amid reports of some people apparently flouting social distancing guidelines. As new regulations cleared the path for bars to reopen on what was widely dubbed as Super Saturday, drinkers packed beer gardens and outdoor areas disorder in some parts of the country, forced pubs to close early, with police making arrests after violent clashes. John Apperton, National Chairman of the Police Federation for England and Wales, criticised the drunken behaviour of some revellers, and said that it was crystal clear that they would not adhere to the one metre plus rule, as restrictions were eased. He tweeted, Finished my late shift with the At Hance Police Southampton City late shift, a busy shift. We dealt with antisocial behaviour, naked men, possession of Class A drugs, happy drunks, angry drunks fight more angry drunks and was called a fascist pig by somebody that we tried to help health secretary matt hancock in contrast said it was nice to see people out and about plans to adequately fund the social care sector need to be in place within a year the head of nhs england has said sir simon stevens told the bbc the covid 19 crisis has shone a very harsh spotlight on the resilience of the care system He added, I would hope by the time we are sitting down this time next year on the 73rd birthday of the NHS that we have actually, as a country, been able to decisively answer the question of how we are going to fund and provide high quality social care for my parents' generation. If you take back the history coming out of the Second World War, the country at that point was on austerity. We had rationing for bread and potatoes. The founders of NHS did not use that as a moment to hesitate. They said, Let one of the legacies of the war be the creation of the NHS. There has been a world record rise in coronavirus cases over a 24-hour period, the World Health Organization has said. The new record is 212,000 326, with the biggest rise in infections coming in the US, Brazil and India. The previous WHO record for new cases was 189,077 on the 28th of June. In the US, there were a further 53,213 cases reported in the latest 24-hour period, ahead of Brazil and India. Across Europe, the figure rose by 19,694, but as the United States marked a sombre 4th of July, many people confined to their homes over coronavirus, President Donald Trump in his speech on the White House lawn made the astonishing claim that 99% of coronavirus cases in America are totally harmless. The president's assertion was without evidence and was his latest attempt to minimize the threat of the virus as it ravages the United States. In another sign of the growing rift between the West and China, Britain is poised to end the use of Huawei technology in its 5G network over security concerns. Boris Johnson is set for a major policy change after the UK intelligence agency, GCHQ, is believed to have reassessed the risks posed by the Chinese company. The Prime Minister decided in January to allow Huawei to play a limited role in the UK's 5G network as he defied security concerns particularly from the US about the firm and finally the US rap star Kanye West has announced in a tweet that he is running for US president and he's already won the backing of billionaire Elon Musk. West posted a message to his 29.4 million Twitter followers suggesting he was entering the 2020 race Tesla chief executive Musk responded to West's tweet saying you have my full support. If Kanye West does run he won't be stuck for funding apart from his own money and what Musk may offer him. His wife Kim Kardashian last week sold a stake in her cosmetics company for $200 million. That's the latest here on Sputnik, I'm Jamie Lowe.
0: You're listening to Radio Sputnik. Telling the untold. Welcome to the Open University of the Airwaves with George Galloway. Only on Sputnik Radio.
1: You're watching the mother of all talk shows and the best guests are ours. Anya Parampil is not just one of the United States' young and up-and-coming Journalists of the first rank. She's also a specialist on Venezuela, having been there, worked there, made films from there, uh, to my certain knowledge. Indeed, I have interviewed her before uh, about Venezuela. But I wanted to do so again, because this is the week, of course, in which the Bank of England, uh, following the policy of the British government, Won their case in the High Court in London and stole a billion dollars worth of gold from Venezuela. Now, as I said earlier, this is not just theft, it's the murder of London's reputation as a financial centre. No country with any sense would any longer keep its sovereign wealth banked in London because. All you need to do is fall out with the British government. Uh, They recognise your opposition unilaterally as the legitimate government and they steal your country's sovereign wealth and they hand it to the leader of the opposition. Although in the case of Juan Guaido, he isn't even the leader of the opposition in Venezuela. He's been deposed uh, by the opposition in Venezuela. And of course, uh, Venezuela wanted this billion dollars. To go not to President Maduro's back pocket, but to the United Nations development program uh, to fund Venezuela's fight against the coronavirus. Remember that Venezuela has a border with Brazil uh, where the pandemic is rampant, uh, one of the worst, I think the second worst affected country in the world, and a border with Colombia, which ditto, is ravaged by the disease. Venezuela has miraculously, and through terrific social organization, uh, kept the number of fatalities from the coronavirus as one of the lowest in the world, and it wants to keep it that way. So what news from Venezuela in the wake of this London High Court decision? There's nobody better to ask than Anya Parampil. Welcome back to the mother of all talk shows. First of all, will that have come as a a big surprise in Venezuela uh, that the British courts uh, found for the British government, rather than the government of Venezuela?
11: No, George, I don't think anyone with a knowledge of the functions of the former British Empire and now how the UK has continued to act as an extension of the US Empire, I don't think anyone is surprised that the courts have gone in the favor of the Bank of England and and the wealthy elites of the British as opposed to ruling on the side of the Venezuelans. It's a theme we've seen in the United States as well, George, something I've covered closely here is the battle over Citgo, which is Venezuela's largest and most expensive, highest valued international asset. We're talking about billions of dollars here. WORTH IN THIS REFINERY. Citgo FOR PEOPLE IN THE UNITED STATES IS A GAS STATION THAT SUPPLIES ABOUT 4% OF of PETROLEUM TO CARS IN THE UNITED STATES, OIL FOR for VEHICLES HERE. AND MANY PEOPLE DIDN'T REALIZE THAT IT'S ACTUALLY OWNED OR WAS OWNED BY PEDEVESA, THE STATE-RUN OIL COMPANY IN VENEZUELA. Up until last year, up until the initiation of the Trump administration's coup, Venezuela would ship its crude to the United States. It was refined in these facilities owned by Citgo here and then pumped out by Americans paying out the pump. But ever since sanctions restricted Venezuela's ability to export its crude to the United States, the Guaido officials.
1: I've lost uh, Anya, I'm so sorry uh, about that. We'll get back to her, Uh, don't worry. Uh, What birthday present should the NHS receive? A, a PFI write-off, B, a big pay rise, C, free tuition fees for nurses. Uh, and uh, Timor says, watching Moats tonight, be enlightened with a knowledgeable lineup and the man himself, George Galloway, tackling the subjects that are the hot topics of conversation and interest to us all, including Ghislaine Maxwell. And Yoda says, no, I've done that one. Door says, Ghislaine Maxwell will die of COVID-19. And on Facebook, Charlie says, we're simply a captive audience for the theatre of world politics. We have no control or say of any kind but they have to delude us into thinking that we do. And Tom says Maxwell is the most protected person on the planet. And yes, she's already done a deal with the authorities. Stephen says they want Trump out more than anything else on this planet. They will cause any event to try and destroy him. They can't assassinate him because that would be way too obvious. And Charlie says any conservative politician is guilty of a multitude of crimes. It's whether they're found out or not. And Brian says, getting the popcorn out. And on YouTube, Aussie says, Trump waddles from his golf cart to the ball, never walked 18 holes in his life. Well, he does have bad ankles, which means, uh, of course, uh, that uh, he uh, had to miss the war, unfortunately, in Vietnam. We're back uh, in touch with uh, Anya. Anya, you were uh, explaining how... Uh, This gas station chain in the United States, most people didn't even know it was owned by the Venezuelan government through its state holding in the oil company, Petrovesa. But then Venezuela couldn't export its oil uh, to the United States. What happened next?
11: What? I've covered very closely and what's just been stunning to witness, George, is how the figures representing Juan Guaido in the United States, Carlos Vecchio, his ambassador to the United States, the man who served until just last month as his attorney general, Jose Ignacio Hernandez. He uh, and, and Vecchio both really are just figures who work on behalf of oil companies. Vecchio himself was a lawyer, a high-level lawyer representing Exxon Mobil in Venezuela in its fight against the Venezuelan government until it was kicked out of the country in 2007. And Jose Ignacio Hernandez is very important, someone that we should all know about, because we don't hear about him as much as other figures, but he actually built the legal framework and assisted corporations in the United States fighting for essentially their right to liquidate Citgo. Again, this is Venezuela's largest international asset. It's its crown jewel on the world stage. And because it is now under the management of these figures, it stands to be liquidated at the order of the court in order to pay back multiple international corporations. Again, Crystal X is this Canadian mining company I mentioned. There's another one, a glass company based in the United States, OI European group, and what these companies have done is sued Venezuela's government court, now been awarded multi-billion dollar settlements, and so in order to get paid, these companies are saying, all right, you're, or the judge is going to say, liquidate Sitgo, sell it essentially to other oil companies, meaning Exxon, the former employer of his of Guaido's ambassador to the United States, anyone can buy up the refinery, the gas station, and then that money will go not into the hands of the Venezuelan people, but back into these multinational corporations which are suing the Venezuelan government. And Jose Ignacio Hernandez, Juan Guaido's attorney general, is someone who, before he was appointed attorney general by Guaido and the National Assembly, he was a Venezuelan lawyer working in the United States at Harvard University, and believe it or not, he was actually paid by multiple oil companies. And this is a story that I'm coming out with this week uh, to illuminate this a bit more, but I've also published already some investigations on the gray zone about this. These multinational corporations suing the Venezuelan government actually paid Jose Ignacio Hernandez for legal testimony. He was an expert witness in these cases in order to prove that crystal X or these vultures that are essentially vying for a piece of Venezuela's internationally stored wealth, they called on him paid him for his testimony in the courts to support their legal arguments against the Venezuelan government. And then when he took over as Guaido's attorney general, he actually assisted by making decisions which helped prove the legal argument, basically that Citgo, even though it was a private U.S. corporation, because it was owned by PDVSA, was something that the the courts here could legitimately liquidate and, and, and turn over to these corporations. These people that represent the Guaido administration in the United States, they don't represent any people in Venezuela. They only represent multinational corporations, the oil companies that are actually succeeding while they're not succeeding in Caracas. And I don't think many of them ever thought that they would, George. Anyone who knows something about Venezuela or has been there knows that these people didn't have a chance at seizing power in Caracas. But where they have succeeded with this coup is in setting the stage with their their declaration of of representing venezuela they now have succeeded in stealing billions of dollars of this country's wealth it's what you're seeing in the uk it's what you're seeing in the united states Caracas doesn't matter all that matters are the bank accounts in new york in london and they have that money they're paying themselves with that money they're paying out foreign corporations with that money and so this just really demonstrates, George, I think, the need for countries like Venezuela to look for a system beyond the U.S. Totally. and
1: uh, I mean, uh, the more you talked, uh, Anya, the more I was agog at the idea uh, that a country like Venezuela should have so much of its capital, uh, seizeable uh, by, uh, by the United States or Great Britain, uh, for that matter no global south country should ever again leave a dollar or a penny uh, in either your country or mine. Uh, this uh, has been a long time coming. Uh, again, as you spoke, I realise that this is exactly the playbook uh, that they used against Iraq uh, before they invaded and occupied it. They bled it white, seized its uh, assets, paid themselves and paid the corporations with Iraq's money. Uh, You would have thought that people would have learned the lesson uh, from that period. I hope they learn it now, don't you?
11: Absolutely, George. I think that is the lesson to come from Venezuela. You can have your country under control. You can defeat these forces at home, the way Venezuela has. They've defeated this coup on multiple occasions, actual military threats made against the country. But no matter how strong or, or capable of surviving the political project was in Venezuela. The fact that wealth was stored in the United States and Europe just put them in a situation where, I, again, nobody's surprised that these courts rule in favor of the capitalists in the in the in the colonial hubs because that's what they're designed to do. But I do have hope, George, because unlike. The situation, the global situation in the lead up to the war on Iraq. Now we're decades out of the collapse of the Soviet Union. The United States is not the sole reigning power in the world anymore. In fact, something that gave me hope was last year I went to Venezuela to attend the meeting of the foreign ministers and some heads of state of the non aligned movement, which is. The largest group of countries in the united nations 120 member states essentially everyone other than the united states canada and european nations africa asia the parts of the world that the economist never includes in its maps the parts of the world that the economist never includes in its maps are, are represented by this block the non-aligned movement and they met to discuss this very issue i was in the room when Foreign Minister Javad Zarif from Venezuela or from Iran, I'm sorry, pled with his colleagues, saying, "Don't call these measures that are placed on our countries sanctions. We're not being punished for anything. This is financial terrorism." He held up his phone and he said, "Google the definition of terrorism, and you'll understand that this is exactly what the United States and its allies are doing to Iran, Venezuela, North Korea. Many of the countries in the room all are faced with this." war, and the deputy foreign minister of Russia, Sergei Ryabkov, was actually present for that meeting, and I had the opportunity to interview him, and he couldn't underscore enough how, for the rest of the world, this is the primary focus, is building a financial system not based in London, not based in New York or Paris, but based on mutual cooperation and an alternative to the European US dominated system that we've faced now for over 100 years. I mean, this is the only way that these countries are going to be able to develop and survive in a sovereign and independent way is when they really can truly operate Outside of this system and that's what Russia working towards that's what China is working towards now and I think these countries are in a better position to to make those moves now than they were say in 2001 during the lead-up to the war in Iraq again the United States its objectives were defeated even in Syria so it's been a slow slow defeat with a lot of pain and a lot of suffering the impact of these sanctions cannot be overstated People are suffering. People are dying as a result of this economic war. But I do still think there is hope because the rest of the world is giving up on really cooperating with, or, or seeing the United States especially as, a, as an honest partner or somewhere where you can even store your money.
1: Very positive note to end on. Thank you very much, Anya Parampil of The Grey Zone. Look forward to your peace this coming week on the Venezuelan situation. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Sean Atwood is our next guest on Epstein and uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, but let's take a quick break first.
0: Radio Sputnik. Tune in
12: every Wednesday to Loud and Clear with Brian Becker and John Kiriakou for a regular segment called Beyond Nuclear, where Brian and John discuss nuclear issues, including weapons, energy, waste, and the future of nuclear technology in the United States, with Kevin Camps, the radioactive waste watchdog at the organization Beyond Nuclear.
13: Listen on Wednesdays
12: right
2: here on Radio Sputnik. Want to talk? Get in touch with us at radio at sputniknews.com.
1: But first, uh, that was the week that was. I look back at the seven days in history which shaped our world for good and ill. It was on this very day, 72 years ago, that one of the greatest political and social creations came into being. It was the National Health Service, which the then health minister, Anirin Bevan, launched at the Park Hospital in Manchester on July the 5th, 1948. It was based on three principles, which are as true and necessary today as they were then. Firstly, that the services helped everyone. Secondly, that healthcare was free at the point of need. And finally, that care would be provided based on need rather than ability to pay. We've seen how vital our NHS is during the current COVID crisis and has been every day since it was launched 72 years ago. But we simply must take it wholly back into public hands. We need the nationalization of the National Health Service back to what it was supposed to be. It was also today in 1811 uh, that seven Venezuelan declaration of independence was declared when seven provinces in Venezuela declared themselves independent of Spain. And also on this day in 1989, that the former White House aide Oliver North escaped jail for his part in the Iran-Contra affair. I was shocked when he escaped jail. Absolutely shocked. The decorated Vietnam veteran was convicted of three out of 12 charges relating to illegal United States support for the Contra Rebels in Nicaragua in the mid-1980s. Throat-cutting specialists, they were. They used to cut people's throats and then hang their tongues out as ties. And I have seen it. He received, instead of jail, a three-year suspended prison sentence and two years on probation. You couldn't make it up. On July 10th, one of the great meetings in musical history took place when 16-year-old John Lennon and Paul McCartney, a year younger, met with Lennon's group The Quarrymen and performed at a church fete. On the same day in 2000, Prime Minister Tony Blair's eldest son, Ewan, was arrested for being drunk and incapable after police found the 16-year-old lying on the ground in Leicester Square after celebrating the end of his GCSE exams with his friends, as you do. He was taken to Charing Cross Police Station, gave a false name, an old address and a date of birth that suggested he was 18, the legal age for drinking. So the apple didn't fall far from the tree there either. On July 7th in 1947, one of the world's great conspiracy theories or cover-ups was launched when aliens and their spacecraft were discovered or not at Roswell in New Mexico. It has been debunked more times than even Donald Trump's claims, but there are still believers out there, although I don't want them to contact me. And in 1969, an inquest heard that former Rolling Stones guitarist Brian Jones drowned after taking a cocktail of drink and drugs. And on the same day in 2005, and it's one I remember well because I was a member of parliament there, A series of bomb attacks on London's transport network killed more than 30 people and injured about 700 others. Three explosions on the underground left 35 dead and two died in a blast on a double-decker bus. The first three bombs went off just outside Liverpool Street and Edgware Road stations and on another travelling between King's Cross and Russell Square. I spoke in Parliament that afternoon in what became quite a heated exchange. It's worth looking at, 7-7-2005. Seven, seven, on July 8th in 1099, in what was the first crusade, 15,000 starving Christian soldiers marched in religious procession around Jerusalem as its Muslim defenders looked on. And in 1965, Ronald Biggs, a member of the gang who carried out the great train robbery in 1963, escaped from Wandsworth Prison. He got out by scaling a 30-foot wall with three other prisoners. Biggs was free for nearly 40 years before he returned voluntarily to Britain from Brazil and was imprisoned. On July 10th in 1940, as Britain was still digesting the miraculous Dunkirk evacuation, the Battle of Britain began as the German Luftwaffe mounted a series of attacks on shipping convoys off the southeast coast of England. Although heavily outnumbered, the British pilots put up a fierce fight and succeeded in driving off the attackers. Prime Minister Winston Churchill memorably put it this way, never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. And in 1995, 7,000 Bosnian Muslim men were massacred when Bosnian Serbs overran the United Nations safe haven of Srebrenica and United Nations troops stood by and allowed it. And to end on a happier note, it was on July 11, 1969, just days before the Apollo 11 landed on the moon, David Bowie released Space Oddity. That was the week that was in our history. Let's go to Richard in Concord on Jesse Ventura. I hope it's good news, Richard. Go ahead.
12: Yeah, I've got some exciting news for you, George. I hope you're doing well. Thanks. So there's, so there's a significant chance now that with enough pressure, the Green Party will do the right thing and nominate Governor Jesse Ventura. Uh, popular opinion has been shifting as uh, many in the party now are pushing to contest the results of the primary due to issues with the process. Uh, And to to put that into context, uh, complaints have been filed within the party, as well as with the Federal Elections Commission um, that are in review. And I won't get into all the details because there's many, but the best example that I have is that there have been states that have chose to only put Howie Hawkins on their primary ballot. And even then he almost lost to none of the above. So there's lots of pressure within the party for a different nominee, and I think the people are hungry for a third party to be viable at this point for the left wing here in the country.
1: Well, we had Howie Hawkins on the show. He didn't cut much of a dash, uh, and certainly nothing like the dash that would be cut by Governor Jesse Ventura, uh, who is extremely well-known in the country, uh, both uh, from his past as a a military uh, figure, as a former Navy SEAL, as a a veteran of of the Vietnam War, the one that Donald Trump dodged. Uh, He is, of course, the uh, governor of Minnesota who defeated the Republicans and the Democrats in uh, a tightly fought three-party race uh, for governor of the state. He was also the mayor. Uh, of Minneapolis, ditto, when he defeated both uh, of these parties. Uh, he's a significant figure, uh, a charismatic figure. And if the Green Party put him up as their candidate, I'll tell you something, he's in with a shout of winning uh, because you mentioned none of the above. Oh, absolutely. If there was a none of the above option uh, available between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, none of the above would win.
12: Yeah, we wouldn't have a president if that was an option on the presidential ballot.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so uh, this possibility of the Green Party picking Governor Jesse Ventura, when will we know for sure, Richard?
12: Well, the Green Party National Convention is next weekend. It is July 11th at uh, noon Eastern time. Is when it starts. And every candidate who has enough delegates will be eligible to speak. And Governor Ventura is one of those candidates. So we'll know within the next week whether the Green Party has chosen uh, to help with the progressive movement or to stick with a, a dud of a candidate, as both of us seem to agree upon.
1: Well, uh, I, the I, best I, thing I, that I, folks I, can do. I, I literally will pray for that outcome. Uh, and I think that, uh, Governor. Ventura would immediately catapult the Green Party uh, into every headline, into every argument, every debate. Uh, the social media uh, would go wild uh, with the uh, with a candidate of his stature and his presence, his political heft uh, entering the race against these two uh, these two sclerotic, old, melting men, uh, <laughs> Donald Trump and Joe Biden. It would be a stunning uh, 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 turn of events. i tell you,
12: there, there's more that we can do than just pray, George. If folks wanna help out, they should go to DraftJesse.com and sign up for our newsletter to get volunteer opportunities and also sign our petition at change.org slash Ventura2020. We need all the popular support we can get to show the Green Party that this is an opportunity they cannot miss out on.
1: Bang on. Thanks for that, Richard. Uh, that's very good news indeed. Let's go to line two, where Vinny is in East London on the Ghislaine Maxwell story. Go ahead, Vinny. Hello, George. How are you doing, mate? Good, good. Tell me, what do you think?
14: Uh, I'm just thinking that, you know, there's nobody in the world, yes, you, I don't know where they are. And you wouldn't have in thought the so, court. no, not in the
1: not in their own country. Oh, exactly. But they know where everybody else is. But
6: uh, I'm just I'm just worried about uh, what's going to happen because uh,
14: you know I mean what she knows, some people don't want us to know.
1: Sure, uh, there's only two uh, options uh, or three. Uh, either she mm-hmm. goes into court and sings. Like, uh, like a canary, uh, in which yep. case the whole world will know uh, just how uh, horrific uh, this whole right. Epstein operation was and who mm-hmm. mounted it. The second option mm-hmm. is that she commits suicide before the trial mm-hmm. or is murdered. Yep. Uh, and the third option is that she cuts a deal with the FBI, which conceals the truth about the case and grants her uh, a very limited time in prison. Right, but
6: uh, I, uh, George, I like your your third um, option, which was uh, she cut
14: the deal. I think she's cut. She has cut the deal beforehand because she would not be staying in America. You know, if, if,
6: if anybody can pounce on you. She would have gone straight away to a a country
14: that has no extradition, like France. Why did she not do that? That means she feels safe in America.
1: Well, maybe she wasn't confident she could get out of the country.
14: I don't know. She's got many passports. I mean, you know.
6: Anyway, it's been lovely talking to you, John. And you, Vinny, uh, your listen, skepticism. Listen,
15: I wish you well.
6: I wish you well. I voted for you when you were going for mayor. Now it's your turn to be the prime minister. Thank God you, Vinny.
1: God bless you. Thank you. Uh, So much uh, for that. The poll is going well. PFI write-off is uh, now on 35%, up three. Big pay rises, 38%, down one. And free tuition fees for nurses, 27%, down two. That's the poll on what your favourite birthday present for the National Health Service on its 72nd birthday would be. Let's go to Tess in Pembrokeshire in Wales. On the U.S. elections. Go
8: ahead, Des. Oh, hi, George. Um, wouldn't that be something you as Prime Minister, eh? Well, uh-huh. one day, eh? <laughs> um, right, okay, I've been watching the news. Kanye ran in for president with the backing of Elon Musk. Right, we've had months and months and months of selection process and whittling down and debates and messing about and hassle, hassle. and then all of a sudden some like super rich guy comes in and says, hey, I want to be president. And another super rich guy goes, yeah, okay, I'll back you up. And, and that seems like it might be a goer. What, but, what, what, well, one uh, could almost say you can buy your way to the presidency. Well, I think that, right? uh,
1: that is uh, truth self-evident. Uh, the, uh, the last uh, presidential election in 2016, uh, each candidate spent $1 billion. Uh, so if you're not rich or have the backing, of the filthy rich, you might as well not bother turning up. Uh, and uh, so uh, Kanye West might be richer than the other two. I suspect he is if you include uh, his uh, his wife's uh, wealth. Um, yeah. And uh, Elon Musk is uh, also a very wealthy man, man. So I think this is the age of the independent. Uh, if, you, if the two mainstream parties can't come up with better than uh, Keir Starmer and Boris Johnson here, uh, or uh, Donald Trump mm-hmm. and Joe Biden there. Well, what's not to love about other third forces, fourth, fifth, sixth forces coming yeah. onto the field? So I, I think I, uh, you, um, I think it's quite uh, an interesting development.
8: Well, I do too. But uh, from what I understand, isn't it money that's holding up Jesse Ventura from running? Didn't he say that that was one of the the issues he had was? That he would lose employment, and he lose money. It was, but uh,
1: that like appears that. to have been taken care of, uh, and uh, he's now off and running for the Green Party nomination. The, yeah, the reason that's that. important is the Green Party is already guaranteed a spot on every ballot in every state, uh, whereas right. uh, Kanye West will have to go some uh, to get on the ballot in every state. But as I hope Robbie Martin said earlier, yeah, as Robbie Martin said earlier, uh, you know, most people's initial reaction to Kanye West's entry into the race was to laugh. It certainly was my first reaction. <laughs> but the more you think about it, this is a guy with a totally gigantic footprint in the Absolutely. United States and, and all the money that's necessary to fight uh, a proper
8: campaign. What a blast. I hope they both go. I hope they bring some interest into the election because otherwise it's going to be just a complete nightmare. Absolutely.
1: Tess, thanks uh, very much for that. Uh, Edmund says, the virus never was in Scotland. The figures were lies. Not one person tested died of COVID. That's Edmund in Carstairs. Keith says, at last, someone questioning where all the money Came from. He's talking about the uh, money that's kept the Scottish economy afloat, uh, most of which, of course, of necessity, came from England. Uh, will says whoever wins, America will crumble. And Rick says they opened the pubs and people went crazy and didn't social distance. Instead, we're drunk and having mass gatherings. The government says it's guided by science. That's a laugh. They're guided by the economy. And taxes. And Constance says there's nothing wrong with Trump mentally. He's just a money grubbing, crass, half educated businessman type. That's not a bad description. Let's take a quick break on that. Radio Sputnik. Tune in every
12: Wednesday to Loud and Clear with Brian Becker and John Kiriakou for a regular segment called Beyond Nuclear, where Brian and John discuss nuclear issues, including weapons, energy, waste, and the future of nuclear technology in the United States, with Kevin Camps, the radioactive waste watchdog at the organization Beyond Nuclear.
13: Listen on Wednesdays
12: right here on Radio Sputnik.
2: Want to talk? Get in touch with us at radio at sputniknews.com. We are talking
0: 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You are listening. We give you the most essential out of the endless information space.
2: Radio Sputnik, telling the untold. Radio Sputnik. We speak your language. Find us at SputnikNews.com. Hello,
14: hello America. It is me, Joe Biden. I think I'm not reading a teddy tat tat prompter I'm
0: perfectly. I'm
14: capable of speaking
10: for myself. And myself.
5: myself.
0: Radio Sputnik. George Galloway and the mother of all talk shows. Join us at the College of Knowledge where there are no tuition fees.
1: Blimey, that sounded like Joe Biden. How could we tell uh, if it was our own blithering idiot or him? What birthday present should the NHS receive? A, a PFI write-off, 35%. B, big pay rises, 38%. C, free tuition fees for nurses. You've got 10 minutes left to vote on that. Uh, Almost a 1,000 of you have already on my Twitter feed at George Galloway. Now... Sean Atwood, author, speaker, broadcaster extraordinaire, makes a welcome return uh, to the mother of all talk shows because he's been the man in front on the whole Epstein Ghislaine Maxwell case. Perfect time for Sean to return to the show. Uh, Sean Atwood, thank you uh, for uh, joining us. Uh, What was your first reaction when you heard about Gillian Maxwell's suicide next week?
16: (laughs) (laughs) Apparently she's going to go down with the virus next week and be critical and expire. So I interviewed Maria Farmer before she got the gag order. She was a victim who was assaulted by both Maxwell and Epstein. And seeing Maria and the other victims, like Virginia, on Filthy Rich recently, whereby they were in court, the judge talked to them finally like they were human beings, like they weren't child prostitutes and, you know, criminals and all this stuff. Just to see and hear the utter joy in the victims now, finally, after decades of their bravery and campaigning to get this far to bring the chief procurer, and not just a procurer, mind you, a participant in the assault of children who'd been trafficked, sexual assaults on them, to get this woman finally to justice. It's just, it's just a huge congratulations to the victims. That's what I say.
1: Yes, uh, I mean, this is an important uh, point that you've just made there. Uh, it would be serious enough if uh, the allegation was that she was the one touring the playgrounds Uh, to procure uh, the children uh, for the beast, Epstein. Uh, But actually, a very significant number uh, of these children allege uh, that Maxwell also had sex with them, therefore also raped them. This is something that doesn't seem to have, so far, cost her the friendship of many in high society in both the US
16: and the UK. Especially Prince Andrew. Now Virginia said that there was an orgy on the island and Prince Andrew participated, Maxwell participated. There were underage girls there who'd been procured from Eastern Europe and they were joking that they were the easiest girls to abuse because they didn't speak any English. And for Prince Andrew now to be playing the victim card He's saying that he's not being treated like any normal person would in the U.S. justice system. Prosecutors are leaking information about the case because he's such a big name. And they're making headlines off him. Well yes, Prince Andrew is right in one regard. He's not being treated like anyone else in the world would be treated because anyone else who was a conspirator in the biggest child sex trafficking pyramid scheme in U.S. history would be SWAT team raided, would be stuck in a jail cell right now, eating green bologna sandwiches with cockroaches crawling them all over at night, and prison gangs trying to stab them to death for being a sex offender. What was it all about,
1: Sean? Uh, It has to be an operation to gather compromat uh, on uh, powerful, rich, uh, and important people. Because that's the only explanation for the huge flows of money. At the disposal of Epstein, uh, the extraordinary interventions from the top before his first trial and conviction, and the extent to which powerful people remained friends with him even after he had been convicted.
16: Am I right? Prior to this interview, I just interviewed ex CIA officer Robert Steele. And he said this is a massive intelligence agency operation still ongoing with units all across the country and the world, and that the boss of Ghislaine and Epstein in this case was Leslie Wexner of The Limited. And I was looking at the transactions between Epstein and Wexner and how Epstein got his wealth and basically, it was past the parcel on all these property deals. Valuations were miraculously just increased. And then money was transferred from one to the other. So Wexner is the one now who should be being looked at, not just for fraud and money laundering, but Maria Farmer said she was assaulted at a Wexner property. And Wexner's bodyguard, who bodyguards Hollywood celebrities right now, I won't say his name, was pacing and threatening to murder her and telling her she was never gonna get out of there and she was so fearful for her life. The only way she got out was because she managed to get her dad to come and rescue her from the situation. So, as this goes up the ladder, the next rung on the ladder is Wexner, but mainstream media is purporting that Epstein and Maxwell are at the head of the conspiracy. They won't dare cross that line to show what's above them. The intelligence agency apparatus the Clinton crime family, it's the Clintons that are untouchable in this. It's Prince Andrew that's untouchable in this. But in the eyes of public opinion, Andrew is ruined, and the Clintons should be exposed next.
1: Well, of course, uh, President Trump's in control for now. Uh, at least he's in office, if not in control. He's in charge of the Justice Department. Uh, his, uh, he always wanted to lock her up. Uh, why doesn't the Justice Department now proceed to lock up the Clintons?
16: Because the clinton bush crime families have so many people embedded in all of the federal agencies and have so much power still, it's a line that won't be crossed. You sure? Yeah, everybody I've spoke to on this case does not feel that the Clintons will be, ever be held accountable or Prince Andrew will see a day in jail.
1: Uh, uh, on the latter point, uh, I'm perfectly sure you're right about that. Now, if there was, if we, and we've both agreed, the only explanation for the things I adumbrated would be uh, that uh, this was much more than a sex case. It's a disgusting sex case, uh, but it's much more than that has to be. The amount of money, the interventions to save them, and the ongoing friendships even after conviction, uh, all point to blackmail, all point to compromise. In which case, where is that? Where are the pictures? Where are the videos, Sean?
16: Well, the victims have stated that they've seen control rooms, they've seen where the cameras were hidden, they know about the tapes. One of the Florida cops, uh, Joseph Ricurry, who mysteriously died in his early 50s, who was perfectly healthy, he transferred a lot of that material to his superiors who he didn't trust. I was told that by another guy who was in the Florida Cops over there, um, John Mark Duggan, who ended up fleeing over to Russia. Now, Duggan is claiming that that information was passed to the higher-ups, not just to the CIA and corrupt parts of the FBI, but also to MI5 and MI6, because there was stuff in there that compromised Andrew. Well, uh,
1: and and also presumably the Israeli secret services, because there was uh, one of the most frequent visitors uh, to Epstein's townhouse in Manhattan was the former Israeli Prime Minister, Ehud Barak.
16: Well, Robert Steele said um, the Maxwell family, Mossad through and through, and Maxwell was bringing Epstein into that fold because they needed a man to capture men, to compromise men. That was the rationale. Now, I'm about
1: to run a poll, Sean. Will Ghislaine Maxwell face a trial? A, no, there'll be a plea deal. B, there'll be a presidential pardon. Or C, uh, that she will be jailed. Uh, Only good taste uh, precluded us uh, adding another option, uh, namely uh, that she will somehow perish from uh, COVID-19 or uh, hanging herself with paper sheets in in a cell that isn't filmed and over which there is no guard. Uh, Which
16: of those four options uh, would you settle on? I think Wexner and the Clintons will be instrumental in having her whacked. Wexner's tax attorney was taken out mob-style and the police accidentally re- released a report showing all of Wexter's ties to organized crime. So if Wexter was their immediate boss, they were mid-level managers, responsibility is going to fall on him like it does in the mafia, like you saw in Goodfellas. Your friends end up killing you. Now, if she doesn't end up dead, there's no way it's going to end up in a trial. When Kenneth Lay got arrested, I said to my friends, There's no way this is going to end up in a trial. Because if it's a trial, certain names are mentioned. Government agencies have to take action. So if she doesn't get killed, it's going to end up in a plea bargain. And in that plea bargain, certain measures um, and agreements may be made to protect the higher end of the intelligence agency apparatus.
1: But a plea bargain still sends her to prison for many years. Uh, a fate which her father escaped uh, by jumping off the back of his boat or being pushed uh, off the back of his boat. That is another option, isn't it? A genuine suicide.
16: Anything can happen with plea bargains because in cases like this, after watching Filthy Rich and just being moved by the victims, people all over the world are demanding justice. So what they could do is slap a big sentence on her now and if, a, if the fix is in, there's already an understanding that down the road, when it's out of the public eye, this goes to an appeals judge. He gets the right amount of backsheesh to reduce the sentence, and she gets out without having to serve what was agreed and what was publicized in the beginning to satisfy public demand.
1: My goodness, how little faith you have in our justice systems, Sean Atwood. I can't imagine what led you here. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. That's Sean Atwood uh, with the pungent point of view on the Maxwell-Epstein affair. The poll's already running. Will Ghislaine Maxwell face a trial? A, no, there'll be a plea deal, 56%. B, there'll be a presidential pardon, 17%. Or C, she will be jailed, 27%. You can vote right now on my Twitter feed and uh, already the uh, votes are flooding in. Uh, do I have any more social media? I do need some more, uh, because I've still got a few minutes before the break. After the break, we'll be talking, of course, as always, to Dr. Ranjit Bra. In a week, when the coronavirus issue might be said to have reached a turning point, where well, the pubs are open, where Soho became a block party which miraculously attracted no intervention by the police. Unlike the block party in Brixton, unlike the block party in the White City, the riot police didn't wade in in Soho, which was literally paved with people. Uh, Duncan says Galen has been charged with a very limited list of crimes and just from the 90s and not, I believe, with child rape. Sounds like limp plea bargaining. And Yinka says, hopefully with the arrest of Maxwell, a number of these corrupt oligarchs and politicians will be arrested and taken out of service. And Geraldine says, when authorities kill white white people, nine times out of ten, that man was given a chance to not be killed. Black people are arbitrarily being killed, and that, my friend, is the difference. And uh, Citizen Journal says, George, you're on some form tonight, big man. Thanks, uh, George. I'm trying to lose uh, my coronavirus weight, Uh, but thanks. Ant says, best way to spend my birthday evening watching George Galloway. Very many happy returns to you, Ant. And Jamie says, I saw this on a sign at a protest. We said Black Lives Matter. Never said only Black Lives Matter. We know all lives matter. We just need your help with Black Lives Matter because black lives are an immediate danger. Southampton beat Manchester City 1-0. I I demand a steward's inquiry uh, into that one. Brian says, hi George, do you have an opinion on a potential third party in the USA called Unity 2020 postulated by Bert Weinstein? I don't know uh, who Bert Weinstein is. But his brother, Eric Weinstein, has an interesting podcast, The Portal on a Meeting with Epstein. I think you'd find it very interesting. We'll check that out. Thanks. Joe says, go on, shoot from the hip. Tell us what you think of the future of the NHS is. This winter, we will feel the effects of the coronavirus. No doubt is the government taking this virus seriously. We have pubs open, but no schools. We have the prospect of mass unemployment and no one seems to be dealing with it. Educate us, George. What is the plan? Well, stay tuned, because I'll be discussing these very things with Dr Ranjit Brar. Let's take a call, though, from Simon in Somerset. Go ahead, Simon. Hi,
17: George. How are you doing?
1: Good, sir. Nice to hear from you.
17: You too, sir. Thank you for the call and your time. Um, Yeah, it was was just a quick one just to address... um, the, the current moments of time, um, and really just to put across um, with relevance to the, the Maxwell and Epstein kind of revelations, it's just um, it's it's quite a considerable time to address it. Really, is this time to really give certain conspiracy theories that have been on the on the fringe some sort of validation?
1: Well, um, get, fire away, give me some.
17: Well, is this the time to give? Conspiracy theories to a certain extent some validation. Well, some, um, uh,
1: no, there are many 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 exactly, many yes. conspiracy theories But that doesn't mean everything is a conspiracy uh, Sometimes, completely, completely sometimes it's a cock-up uh, no, uh, As I always say Simon I've been close enough to government and known uh, enough uh, leading leading figures in government uh, including prime ministers many of them uh, I've known personally Uh, Up close, uh, Harold Wilson, James Callaghan. Uh, I uh, knew, uh, of course, uh, John Major. Uh, I've sat under many other uh, prime ministers, and I knew Tony Blair and Gordon Brown only too well. Uh, And my experience is that most things are a cock-up rather than a conspiracy, that our leaders are Mr. Bean rather than James Bond. But there are plenty of conspiracies. Uh, I, don't course, believe, course, uh, well. I don't believe for a moment that Jack Kennedy uh, w- was killed only by Lee Harvey Oswald, not for a moment. I don't believe for a moment that we know everything there is to know about what happened on 9-11, uh, for example. And I don't believe for a moment uh, that the, the Epstein-Maxwell case is only about sex, not for a moment. Simon,
17: yes, yes. I mean, yeah, exactly on your side there, and that's why I'm uh, an avid follower and a- agreement in the majority of your points. I just, um, I feel that there was um, quite a-, a certain distancing from certain callers. Um, previously that have, uh, you know it, it, it's valid with with all the crazy conspiracies going out there at the moment that you have to distance yourself on a platform like yourself that you have to distance well yourself you do from- yeah
1: i mean if something yeah, course, uh, as, as i always say simon if it looks like a duck walks like a duck and quacks like a duck the chances <coughs> are it is a duck thanks very exactly, much yeah. for a wonderful call uh, bringing us to the news my goodness that hour went in quickly the news with Jamie Lobert, stay tuned. Curious Dr. about Randy. our curriculum?
0: Have something to say? Then call us now to join the debate on the mother of all talk shows with George Galloway
9: every Tuesday to Loud and Clear for a regular segment called False Profits, a weekly look at Wall Street and corporate capitalism, where we talk about the big economic issues of the week from the point of view of working people, the poor, and the U.S. position in the global economy. Join us this Tuesday and every Tuesday with financial policy analyst Daniel Sankey right here on Radio Sputnik.
10: It's time to double down with Max and Stacey. Yeah, double down.
15: We're talking markets, finance, business, economics, ka change bling, just about
10: everything money related on Sputnik. It's called Double Down. We're asking: are dead cats bouncing or have fundamentals changed? That's this week on Double Down.
2: Radio Sputnik. We speak your language. Find us at sputniknews.com.
3: Radio Sputnik News. The rate of new coronavirus deaths is almost entirely preventable, the UK government's former chief scientific advisor has said today. Sir David King claimed that a further 27,000 excess deaths are likely between now and next April under current approaches to tackling the pandemic and that this was unacceptable and immoral. Sir David, who has been critical of the easing of lockdown measures, said we need to look at the fastest route out of COVID-19 and the current one is not right. He said it looked as though Downing Street's policy was to maintain the current level of about 3,000 new infections per day across England. His comments come as pubs, restaurants, cafes and hair salons reopened across England on Saturday, amid reports of some people apparently flouting social distancing guidelines. As new regulations cleared the path for bars to reopen on what was widely dubbed as Super Saturday, drinkers packed beer gardens and outdoor areas. Disorder in some parts of the country forced pubs to close early, with police making arrests after violent clashes. John Apperton, National Chairman of the Police Federation for England and Wales, criticised the drunken behaviour of some revellers and said that it was crystal clear that they would not adhere to the one metre plus rule as restrictions were eased. He tweeted, Finished my late shift with the at Hants Police Southampton City late shift, a busy shift. We dealt with antisocial behaviour, naked men, possession of class A drugs, happy drunks, angry drunks, fights, more angry drunks and was called a fascist pig by somebody that we tried to help. Health Secretary Matt Hancock, in contrast, said it was nice to see people out and about. Plans to adequately fund the social care sector need to be in place within a year, the head of NHS England has said. Sir Simon Stevens told the BBC the COVID-19 crisis has shone a very harsh spotlight on the resilience of the care system. He added, I would hope by the time we are sitting down this time next year on the 73rd birthday of the NHS that we have actually, as a country, been able to decisively answer the question of how we are going to fund and provide high quality social care for my parents' generation. If take back the history, coming out of the Second World War, the country at that point was on austerity. We had rationing for bread and potatoes. The founders of NHS did not use that as a moment to hesitate. They said, let one of the legacies of the war be the creation of the NHS. There has been a world record rise in coronavirus cases over a 24-hour period, the World Health Organization has said. The new record is 212,000 326, with the biggest rise in infections coming in the US, Brazil and India. The previous WHO record for new cases was 189,077 on the 28th of June. In the US, there were a further 53,213 cases reported in the latest 24-hour period, ahead of Brazil and India. Across Europe, the figure rose by 19,694, but as the United States marked a sombre 4th of July, with many people confined to their homes over coronavirus, President Donald Trump in his speech on the White House lawn made the astonishing claim that 99% of coronavirus cases in America are totally harmless. The president's assertion was without evidence and was his latest attempt to minimize the threat of the virus as it ravages the United States. In another sign of the growing rift between the West and China, Britain is poised to end the use of Huawei technology in its 5G network over security concerns. Boris Johnson is set for a major policy change after the UK intelligence agency, GCHQ, is believed to have reassessed the risks posed by the Chinese company. The Prime Minister decided in January to allow Huawei to play a limited role in the UK's 5G network as he defied security concerns, particularly from the US. About the firm. And finally, the US rap star Kanye West has announced in a tweet that he is running for US president and he's already won the backing of billionaire Elon Musk. West posted a message to his 29.4 million Twitter followers suggesting he was entering the 2020 race. Tesla chief executive Musk responded to West's tweet saying, You have my full support. If Kanye West does run, he won't be stuck for funding apart from his own money. And what Musk may offer him, his wife Kim Kardashian last week sold a stake in her cosmetics company for $200 million. That's the latest here on Sputnik. I'm Jamie Lowe. (laughs)
0: You're listening to Radio Sputnik, Sputnik. telling the untold. Welcome to the Open University of the Airwaves with George Galloway, only on Sputnik Radio.
1: Will Ghislaine Maxwell face a trial? A. No, there'll be a plea deal, 56%. B. A presidential pardon, 17%. C. She will be jailed. 27%. Of course, A and C are not mutually uh, exclusive, but you can vote now on my Twitter feed, at George Galloway. Have your say on what you think is going to happen in the Ghislaine Maxwell case. And uh, I must say, the cynicism of our viewers and listeners is quite uh, overwhelming. Uh, Faith in the American injustice system, (laughs) virtually... Non-existent, anyway, it's the 72nd birthday of Britain's National Health Service, which once upon a time was the jewel in our crown. It was a model uh, which uh, other countries envied or emulated. But as it reaches 72 years old, it's more than creaking under the weight of the so-called reforms and the uh, financial punishment uh, which it has taken, especially over these austerity years, since 2008, a long time in anybody's lifetime. So who better to say happy birthday to than Dr. Ranjit Bra, physician and surgeon and Moat's own medic. Dr. Ranjit, thank you uh, very much for joining us again We'll come on to the NHS more generally, uh, but you'll have heard on our news bulletin there, the last 24 hours has been a world record for new coronavirus-19 cases. The best part of a quarter of a million new infections in 24 hours. This isn't going away, is it? In fact, if it ever did go away, it's coming back with a vengeance
13: thanks george pleasure to be with you and i will say happy birthday to the nhs and we'll come back to uh, that question as, as you say but you're quite right um the nhs is facing really a kind of perfect storm in terms of the prevailing systemic conditions and and the coronavirus certainly has a part to play in that um looking at the world there's been a, a million and a half cases since we last spoke uh, one week ago george so we're coming up now uh, to eleven uh, and a half million cases in the world, with uh, over 500, 540,000 deaths. And as you say, every day in the United States now, is really running rampant out of control. And of course, both the U.S. healthcare system and the Trump administration, uh, as well as the federal structure of the government, without clear clear um, guidelines as, a, as really who's to take responsibility for controlling the pandemic has had a huge impact on that. But more than 55,000 cases every day for the last three, four days uh, is, a, is a huge toll. But of course, then we've seen increasing impact in the third world, uh, in the BRICS countries. Uh, Brazil now uh, has uh, over a million and a half cases. Um, uh, India has recognized that it's got 700,000 cases, probably has many more, and, and still not accurately recording either the number of cases or the number of deaths. So, you know, as the testing increases, we'll find more and more of the virus, no doubt. But equally, it's true to say that the um, virus is really running rampant around the entire globe as we speak, George.
1: And uh, there's no sign yet of anything meaningful we can do about it. Unless, of course, one is lucky enough to get one of the U.S. purchased uh, prophylactics, which uh, they have purchased, virtually every single unit in the whole world has been bought by uh, the United States. The drug companies will charge a king's ransom uh, for those. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no guarantee that they'll Mm -hmm. save your life in any case and uh, are only useful if you're already suffering from it. Uh, No vaccine. Uh, This is quite a frightening time to be squeezing into a crowded public house, isn't it? Or filling the streets of Soho in London with thousands of people uh, drinking and carousing.
13: Uh, Several components to your question, George, and all of them are quite powerful and valid. Um, This drug, Remdesivir, uh, which is a nucleotide analogue, so it's a bit like an RNA molecule, but doesn't assemble uh, correctly uh, into uh, the genetic structure of the virus uh, when it's reassembling. Um, uh, It's been trialed and found to slightly reduce the duration of illness, but not actually reduce the total mortality of the disease. So it does have probably some uh, effect, though actually the, the randomized controlled trial, um, which led to its adoption in the United States, has been widely criticized as a paper I've just read in the BMJ, which criticized it as uh, having a lot of loss to follow up, not following up all of the patients, um, the trial being poorly randomized, and so basically poorly conducted and then drawing a question mark over the results. Nevertheless, let's assume that it's correct and it does have some positive impact. It's very telling, really, that the United States uh, is supremely arrogant. I mean, the United States for a long time has essentially conducted its foreign policy on the basis that uh, the life of an American it doesn't have parity with the life of human beings elsewhere Uh, and there's lots of evidence to attest to that but certainly if you think that the united states when they thought there was a vaccine that might be developed to trump try to buy up that company, even though it was a German company, so that, and, and give exclusive use of the potential vaccine to the United States. And he's done a similar thing with, with Gilad, who produced this drug. This drug is actually produced in California. Uh, Gilad have a limited ability to produce it. Uh, you can look at the workings of capitalism even further and say, look, Gilad's share price has gone up 20 to 30 percent within this pandemic, precisely because uh, there were hopes for this drug. And this trial, which is probably poorly conducted, um, you know, has boosted their share price still further. And more than that, if you look at the special laws surrounding um, drugs, they, they were very keen to get something called an orphan drug status for this drug, which essentially is something that they would normally roll out for a drug for a very rare disease to ensure that they're the only people who are allowed to produce it for seven or eight years, and therefore they're going to reap back the full profit. Now in a pandemic, it's hardly a rare disease, it's a worldwide crisis, but they want to limit the profit. Uh, uh, to their own company, but that would mean also, obviously, limiting the treatment offered to the world. So you can see what motivates, you know, on the one hand, uh, these uh, massively lucrative uh, uh, enterprises. They're solely concerned with the profit they can generate from this world crisis, rather than come up with the best way to tackle the health emergency, and that is um, very typical, and we've seen that roll out in many different ways during this pandemic. But coming back to your, the latter part of your question is this a good time to be easing lockdown? Look, the rates are down. Leicester is a a particular case. And and again, you can see the poor response um, of the NHS has been conditioned by those Pressures of privatization that you were talking about. If we look at testing, it's been Deloitte who's been in charge of the testing. If we look at tracing, it's been Serco who have been put in charge of, of tracing. If we look at the PPE and the Nightingale hospitals, it's been a coalition of uh, KPMG and a and, consortium rather of, of KPMG and Deloitte. So, this uh, COVID 19 laws that have gone through on the back of um, the uh, emergence of the pandemic and the closing down of parliament, together with anyway, the proclivity of the current government and previous governments over a long period of time to increasingly farm out the responsibilities of the health service to public care, albeit under an NH- to private care, albeit under an NHS guideline, has led to a very disjointed response where, for example, in Leicester, the local council was saying they didn't realize they had that many tests precisely because actually a large number of the private tests are in fact farmed out to another private company, which is the Lighthouse uh, Labs, in conjunction with Amazon, with Boots, with the with Royal Mail. So a whole consortia of private interests are coordinating uh, in a very loose way, which is leading to very poor sharing of information and, and no single body. And certainly, you know, it's, it's the a system of kind of, a feeling of despair within the NHS staff that they actually, despite having the expertise to deal with the pandemic, don't have the power to reorganize the health service and actually manage the government response in an appropriate way, George.
1: That was a dazzling uh, description of uh, where we are. Uh, Where would you prefer we were, or prefer we were heading to? This is the birthday of the NHS. Uh, let's hope it has many happy returns, but for them to be happy, what needs to happen, doctor?
13: Well, George, I don't think that we can trust the National Health Service uh, in the hands of governments who, uh, over a 40-year period, have made it very clear that their intention is to privatize the National Health Service. If we, go- if we look back at um, uh, the Factor administration, um, uh, uh, John Redwood and Oliver Letwin published a document which uh, which basically was about how to privatise public services and particularly focused on the NHS, and that document is called Britain's Biggest Enterprise. And, you know, they have an absolute um, will and desire to turn over all of the money, very considerable revenue of the state to private companies, and that would involve Privatizing national services, including the National Health Service, amongst others. Um, It's uh, particularly the case um, uh, with the National Health Service that it's kind of persistent pressures to try and farm it out uh, to different providers. The, the idea initially was to just get peripheral services, so, you know, canteen services or um, hospital maintenance services, but uh, this is, it's been um, gradually picking away at, at the pie until actually a huge, probably the majority of the National Health Service is privatized. Uh, and a whole variety of groups provide services, including you know, uh, peripheral and core medical and, and uh, incidental services, consortia of, of uh, private finance initiatives of banks. Uh, I take huge chunks of the NHS capital. Drunk companies obviously take huge amounts of the capital. So this is the pattern. And uh, far from reversing that trend, uh, it was um, during this pandemic, it's been used to further push that same agenda. So how can we stop it from happening? Well, first of all, we need to realize it's happening. I still would recommend all of your viewers, if they've not watched it, to watch Bob Gill's uh, excellent uh, movie, which is available uh, on his channel, which is about the privatization of the NHS. It's a a fantastic film, uh, and we'll put the information up, and I hope people will watch that. So, uh, uh, becoming aware of it, uh, they can get him to come and speak at local events and, 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 and see uh, just how this is being done. But increasingly, it's clear to me that there needs to be a broad public campaign of the use of the NHS themselves. There's no doubt that there's, you know, that the clapping for the NHS is very sincere, it's very real. Uh, if we go back to the 2012 Olympics, when we put on a huge show, really, of the world of just how proud we were of the NHS, I know people who were involved in that. You know, Britain has shown how grateful it is to have this facility of caring for our sick and our needy when we most need it. But if we don't step up to defend it, realize the ways in which it's being challenged, whittled away, eaten away, I'm afraid to say that we're going to be left with a system which looks very much like the U.S. system. And if we look at just how that COVID pandemic is running rampant, out of control in the United States, you realise just how inefficient it is. It's the most expensive healthcare in the world, and it's the most inequitable, and leaves a vast number of the population, at least 60 million people without any healthcare whatsoever in the richest nation on earth. And that is not a model of healthcare that we want to see. Uh, Our healthcare is no longer run by the government. It's been farmed out to a quango, a quasi-autonomous non-governmental authority led by Sir Simon Stevens, and that's NHS England. Uh, And it's you know, NHS England that we recently uh, found out this week uh, was actually watching the figures which had issued instructions to discharge patients with, um, uh, with Covid from hospital into care homes to create beds in the NHS. A- and they became aware and they were watching an increased rate of infections within care homes. And during this pandemic, they say sixty thousand, sixty-six thousand 66,000 people have died within care homes. They say 20,000 of them from Covid. but. Many of those will be without testing, so that numbers could be far more. So there's gross mismanagement. It's not, uh, the management of the NHS is not being run by the clinicians. There's a constant mantra every time they introduce a new wave of privatization that is about clinical excellence. It's about putting clinicians in control, but I'm afraid it's a, it's, a, it's a gross lie. Funding has been put out to clinical commissioning groups. Those clinical commissioning groups are groups of GP nominally, but they don't have the capacity to plan. They're increasingly put with groups such as KPMG and the big four accountancy companies and American insurance industry, particularly United Health, is being invited in to oversee and run that, and it's being driven very far down the line of privatization. It's up to the British people, really, to prevent that from happening. And the first step to that is an increased knowledge uh, and vigilance, George.
1: I'll be lucky to see 75, certainly lucky to see 80, uh, unless these things are reversed.
13: I think that's right. I think there's a, there is a campaign to try and address certain issues of it, particularly the NHS, um, uh, sorry, the, the Health and Social Care Act 2012, which was an act which removed the responsibility of the Minister of Health for providing health care to all Britons and transferred that over to this quango, NHS England. Uh, it also advanced the privatisation agenda in other ways. And I certainly think we should, I think in, in line with your Um, Your poll that you're running tonight, George, demand the end to the profiteering from the private finance initiative. They've made their money several times over already. It's well within the uh, ability of a government to cancel that source of debt at a stroke. And that would be to the great benefit of every citizen of Britain. It's something that we should all get behind and demand of our politicians.
1: Bravo. Thank you very much, Dr. Ranjit Brar, Moat Medic, uh, who has helped us through this entire emergency. Will Ghislaine Maxwell face a trial? A, no, there'll be a plea deal. B, no, there'll be a presidential pardon. C, yes, she will be jailed. You can vote now on my Twitter feed at George Galloway. Let's hear from Vincent in High Wycombe. Go ahead, Vincent. Oh, hi, George, how are you doing? Good, nice to hear from you. What would you like to say? Yes, I want to talk about the Black
6: Lives Matter and uh, police brutality.
1: Yeah. I
6: want to talk about um, that. Do you think that uh, police are just hunting down black
1: people in the street? Uh, In America, oftentimes, yes. And in Britain, far more times than we would like to acknowledge. Well, the the stats don't uh, say that's true.
6: Because I've got a statistics from the Wall Street uh, Journal, from the Washington Post, and the, uh, the amount of victims of African Americans killed in 2019 by police is 0.1 percent. Well that's not by true. 0.1 well,
1: percent uh, of what? Of all uh, homicides black homicide victims. No, uh, isn't a better statistic, what proportion of people killed by law enforcement were people yeah, of color? And I can yeah, assure you, I can assure you that statistic- 0.1% No, No, I can, no, that, that's utter nonsense. That's true, and uh, there's police
6: officers that are 18 and a half times more likely to be, be killed by a black male, and unarmed black male is to be killed uh, by a police officer.
1: Well over a thousand people last year in America were killed by law enforcement. The great majority of them were people of color. This is a fact. No, this is not, George. So, in what, 2019, are 2019, what are you officers, saying, are you saying, Vincent, are you saying 99% of people killed by law enforcement in the U.S. were white, I got, were white? George, I've got the fact here. Is that what you're here? saying?
6: Is that what you're in saying? In 2019, the officers shot 1,004 people, yeah. which were armed or otherwise dangerous, uh, African Americans. About a quarter of those
1: killed. No, you said, zero, you, lost, said yeah. one, you said less than you said less than one percent. Yeah, but that's that's of the, the black homicide victims.
6: It says here in the Wall Street Journal journal now, on not, the
1: Wall Washington Post are with oranges. Washington Washington toast, over a thousand people were killed by law enforcement last year in the United States. We don't know if they were armed and dangerous, as you appear to know. Let's deal with the number. I'm telling you that the great majority of that 1,000 plus people killed by law enforcement were either black or Latino or otherwise Minority ethnic communities. That's a but fact. I was, That's a fact. They
6: commit 53% of the homicide offenders in the US no, and they represent 13% Vincent, of the I population. See,
1: I could see, Vincent, uh, that you have an agenda it's, in this conversation. Uh, actually, I'm proud to say I worked out in the first 25 seconds of what you said. The great majority of people killed by law enforcement last year and every year in the United States are people of color. Goodbye. Now, if you want to have your say on the Galen Maxwell issue, will she stand trial? What do you think? You can call in now. Let me give you the numbers. 02077 982 255. Or you can call us from the U.S. on 001 757 744 4480. Paul is in Glasgow, on the furlough scheme. Go ahead, Paul. Oh, hi, George. How you? So,
6: hi there. Um, so, I usually touching into the, the, the show. I'm a really big fan. So, your question earlier on was, um, how would Scotland have been able to afford the furlough scheme had it not been for the UK government? The simple answer to that would be, if Scotland, Scotland would be independent. And if it, if it was independent, it would pay for the furlough scheme in exactly the same way as the UK government i.e. taxation,
1: V18, borrowing, uh, possibly quantitative easing. So, exactly Quantitative easing of which currency? The pound. But you'll not be allowed to use the pound. Do you think the Bank of England is going to allow you to quantitatively ease its currency? It's our what currency school did as you well. go? What school it's your did you go? Well. Which school did you go to? It's
6: our currency as well, and this is something Paul, that you feel to take Paul, into account.
1: If you are seriously saying on an international television and radio programme that the Bank of England would allow independent Scotland to quantitatively ease its Bank of England currency. Then, are you just out for the weekend? Right, so just to put that put that aside. No, no, I'm not putting that aside. I'm not putting that aside. No, no, I'm not putting that aside. No, I'm not putting that aside. Because you, you, you it you demonstrates. Just go- you're just going to bully me, me through your show, aren't you? No, no, you're the person that is Can you turn him down for a moment, and then we'll bring him back? I'm not letting it go, because never have I been lucky enough to find a Scottish nationalist demonstrate the absolute economic illiteracy with which they approach the issue of independence than you, Paul. You are a prize exhibit. You can't count. You obviously never went to school. You are economically imbecilic. You came on this show and claimed that the British government would allow an independent Scottish government to quantitatively ease the British pound, which you have already left in order to pay your furlough. Over to you, Paul. It's our pound
6: as well. You can use whatever Look, currency we like, and you clue, know that's true. in the same way that countries like Panama use the US dollar, we will
1: use the pound,
6: and nobody you can will do use anything the pound about
1: it. If the British government allows you to use no, the anymore, pound. But but, the U.S. government but, doesn't want the
6: countries like Parallel to use the U.S. dollar, but they can do they nothing do. about it. No, actually so they, they do. No, so they actually don't. they They're, do. There's but numerous do there's countries across the world if, who use the U.S. dollar, and the, think, and the Yanks don't like it, but they can do nothing about it. Paul, you, can use, uh, you can use whatever currency Paul, you want. Paul,
1: calm down. Calm down. You can use... Paul, calm down. The U.S. government would never allow... The government of Panama to print dollars. Am I right? Say that again. The U.S. government would never allow the government of Panama to print U.S. dollars. Am
6: I right? So you, 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 you am I want, right? just want to you just want to, just, Paul, just want to focus am on I that. Right? But the, the point I'm trying to make is no. that Scotland would have, Paul, have an independent country. They would I have right? the ability to borrow money. We would, be, we would be in charge of our own fiscal money? rules. Who we would, lend you? Taxation Who would lend you Who would lend you money? Paul, would, you're
1: going to need to no, stop would talking. Lend money. What, what, Paul, What are what, what, what going national, the to, What are you the on, Paul? Are you taking something? All the, the Paul, natural resources Paul, that we've we wouldn't be allowed to... Paul! You're going to need to slow down. Because this is not a conversation. This is you... Uh, with a long playing record playing at 45 RPM. Uh, this is wrote. Uh, I'm just the point.
14: The no, Scotland I'm would have asking it in you the same questions.
1: Way. I'm asking you questions. And it's this Would the US government allow the government of Panama to print US dollars? Yes or no?
6: Can we move on from
1: this? No, we're not moving on Wait, from forget, it until forget, you forget, until you answer. Paul, Paul, off you go. Because you're not on here to have an argument. You're on here to hysterically prattle. So much so that I'm actually worried about your blood pressure. So I'm doing you a favor by allowing you to get back to your books because you've got a lot to learn. But this demonstrates the absolute economic innumeracy and illiteracy of the egypts running the campaign to break up britain and i've got news for you paul i'm back i'm back in scotland i'm on the field of battle and what you got away with with the scottish labor party you ain't going to get away with with me now Better take a one minute break.
15: Radio Sputnik.
9: Every Tuesday to Loud and Clear for a regular segment called False Profits, a weekly look at Wall Street and corporate capitalism, where we talk about the big economic issues of the week from the point of view of working people, the poor, and the U.S. position in the global economy. Join us this Tuesday and every Tuesday with financial policy analyst Daniel Sankey right here on Radio Sputnik.
2: Want to talk? Get in touch with us at radio at sputniknews.com. we are talking
0: twenty four hours a day seven days a week you are listening we give you the most essential out of the endless information space
2: radio sputnik telling the untold radio sputnik we speak your language Find us at sputniknews.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We give you the most essential information out there. Radio Sputnik, telling the untold. George Galloway and the mother of all talk shows.
0: Join us at the College of Knowledge, where there are no tuition fees.
1: While well, most people in the poll seem to think there'll be a plea deal, uh, Few people think there'll be a presidential pardon. I think that's right, because I can't see what uh, Donald Trump would have to gain from that. Uh, 21% only think she'll see the inside of the jail. You can vote on my Twitter feed. Dell says on Twitter, this loony poll is what we have to listen to on a daily basis up here, George. You wipe the floor with them. Ha, 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 ha. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, their backsides are twitching since I announced in the last day or two that I'm back. In Scotland. Uh, and on YouTube, Keel says deaths are steadily going down in the USA. There are more cases because they're tasting, testing more. I guess health prof- professionals can't do maths. That's signed Donald J. Trump. John says, I can't understand one word of that guy from Glasgow. And Jay says, at work, everyone wears a mask beside me and they even follow social distancing. Well, someone brought in the flu and now everyone has it beside me and no one can answer why their mask didn't work. And Ashley says, Gigi has the best guests and friends. And on Facebook, Wolf says, greedy corporations should not be running public health care. And Bill says, Vincent, have a day off, son. Now, my uh, editor, uh, Ron Mackay, uh, gives me this. How's this for a good news story? 18-year-old Musa Juwara scored for Bologna in their wins, sh- shock win, over Inter Milan today. He came to Italy as a refugee from the Gambia on a boat alone, aged 14. He started playing for a youth team near Portenza and was adopted by his coach. And he scored his first goal in Serie A today against Inter Milan. How's that? Uh, Steve is in Washington. I don't know if it's D.C. or in the state of Washington. We'll find out. Steve, go ahead.
10: Yes, it's the state of Washington.
1: You're welcome. Go ahead.
10: Um, two of the subjects that you've been touching on today, I, I follow you, by the way. I, I enjoy you very much. Thank and you, Steve. Of the subjects. Two of the subjects you've been on today, one, the COVID, and two, the uh, American elections coming up. I believe there's one person that would make a very, very interesting guest for you, and his name is uh, Brett Weinstein. He is a evolutionary biologist, very, very, very based in scientific methods, um, and brother to the to uh, Eric Weinstein, who I believe you have some, some knowledge of. Yes. uh,
1: He was mentioned earlier on in the show, actually. Yeah. We'll look at that.
10: Um, He's put forward a proposal called Unity 2020, where um, he's offering a third option to the Democrats and the Republicans, Um, and his proposal had involved Andrew Yang and a retired military man
9: named Ravenbrook.
10: Um, and I really don't have enough legs in this myself to give you. But, An- but
1: Andrew Young is supporting Joe Biden.
10: I understand, um, but you you should look or listen to why he's putting it forward the way he does. He, he's will, not yeah, saying. No, I
1: promise, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Steve, thanks for that call. I need to press on. There's a lot of people trying to get on. Ian is in Hounslow in London on the NHS. Go ahead, Ian.
14: Hello, George. Um, I just want to follow on from uh, Dr Bra. Yeah. Uh, I'm a retired NHS nurse myself. And I lost my wife 10 years ago to um, medical negligence. So this is something quite... I don't want to go into that because that will take too long and I'll get too upset. Mm -hmm. But what I want to talk about is the bleeding wound the past 12 months of 83, listen, 83.4 billion wasted on medical negligence payouts to people who've died and suffered needlessly due to medical bungling. And this is causing a hole in the NHS... Uh, budget and also a misery to the people who've been at the receiving end.
1: That's a staggering number, and I'm amazed to hear that.
14: Well, now. That's a of lot strength- of
1: negligence.
14: Uh, uh, it's all to do with these stupid quotas of things being rushed to meet targets and mistakes are being made. That's what the root cause of it.
1: Wow. £83 billion. A year? Spaffed up the wall. Wow. Staggering, staggering number. Ian, thanks. We'll, uh, we'll ask Dr. Bra to respond to that next week, uh, God willing. Thanks uh, very much indeed for that call. The poll is doing uh, great numbers. Uh, will, uh, will Ghislaine face a trial? No, there'll be a plea deal. Uh, overwhelming support, 67%. Let's hear uh, from Julian in London on Ghislaine Maxwell. Go ahead, Julian. Hello, George. I can't believe they found Gillian in Manchester. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk
5: it? (laughs) Manchester on sea, that
6: is. And when I saw the the house that she'd been hiding in, it reminded me of uh, when they found Bin
1: Laden living in a house in Pakistan. It was rather nicer than his house. It was a (laughs) $1.1 million uh, cottage in the forest uh, called tucked tucked away. Well, she definitely was tucked away. (laughs)
6: She was tucked away. I hope she's not put away. Well, I hope she's put away and not done away with. Yes, but we, course, must hope up, yeah. we must all hold that.
1: We must all light um, a candle for a poor Ghislaine uh, who, yeah. who uh, even now doesn't know she's going to commit suicide next week. Well, little
6: uh, do we know what will happen. but
1: no, um, you're right. Of
6: course, One that, that was joke. the last... Well, we don't know, but... Um, Bin Laden was killed for the final time after he got uh, captured, so I think your next poll should not be will
5: Elaine uh, Maxwell be killed, but how many times will she be killed?
1: Well, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I wish her, uh, uh, of course, uh, the health to survive long enough to appear in court and to answer the charges uh, that uh, that have... Uh, now being leveled against her, uh, both in the initial indictment, but also in the testimony of uh, dozens of children uh, who claim that she participated in the sexual yeah. assaults on her. That
10: was a good point. Uh, so uh, I, I don't wish her to
1: come to any harm until she's appeared in court to uh, face these charges and justice is uh, seen to be done. Julian, many thanks uh, for that Thank call. Daniel is in Seattle. Uh, on the protests in the United States, go ahead daniel
15: hello uh george uh, thank you uh, It's good to see you i uh, love your show thank you uh, i'm ca- i'm calling in uh, because uh... have
1: we lost daniel uh, that- I, I must I must read you uh, while we 're trying to get back to Daniel. Uh, that uh, my editors just pointed out that medical negligence paid out in 2019 in England, 2.36 billion pounds a year, uh, pounds last year in 2019, which is still a staggeringly high number, but of course nothing like as staggering as the one Ian uh, said in the uh, in the uh, earlier call. Daniel's back in Seattle.
15: Go ahead, Daniel. Hello, George. Hi. Hello George. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, very well. Well, uh George, I'm calling in about uh, the the chop protest, the Black Lives Matter protest in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, I do uh, I do social media for several uh, nonprofit organizations and uh I had the unfortunate experience the other night uh being online and uh, watching uh, this car drive through the protesters uh in real time. Yeah. Two, uh, uh two I, women
1: were seriously injured. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one
15: died yesterday. Oh, one died. Oh which my is, goodness.
9: I didn't know. Is, sorry.
15: Which is, uh, Summer Taylor was her name. And, uh, she was a 24 year old, uh, woman from, uh, actually, I think she identified as binary, but, but, uh, she died Saturday night in, uh, uh, Harborview medical center. And, uh, uh, the other woman, uh, her name is Diaz Love, she's 32 years old from Portland. She she is in serious conditions and still in the hospital. I, God, I hope she makes it through. I mean, it's been a punch in the in the gut, for did Seattle. They, did they immediately arrest the uh, driver who deliberately mowed these women down? Yes, they did. They did arrest him. He did. Uh, Uh, sort of try to make a getaway, Um, you know, the whole thing doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense because the freeway was closed down. People have to understand that the protesters every night went on the freeway. And the police, the state patrol, rather, in this case, and the Department of Transportation said, okay, we'll close the freeway down for safety. And they would block off the entrances to the freeway and put a barricade across across the freeway. This man accessed the freeway by going the wrong way on a ramp because he wanted to get on the highway and mow, you know, go, he must've been going. To, I don't know if you've seen the, the film. I Josh. haven't, no. It's uh, I recommend that you don't look at it unless you have a strong stomach, but, but uh, he mowed these two young girls down. They were actually dancing, dancing in on the freeway. And this is, the cops knew this, the cops and you know, this is how, this is Seattle. It's a revolutionary place. Uh, and also, I, the final thing I'd say, George, uh, is there's been a big, I think, misinterpretation or propaganda about shop, about the autonomous zone they started here. It don't, no longer exists. They cleared it several days ago. But, but uh, it's been a vocal point by the, by Trump. Uh, and you know basically saying a bunch of bs about what's going on there it's it's young kids they're experimenting there a lot of them are new newly political it's just a uh, pretty much you know a wonderful place a lot of um, you know it's a, a seattle type of place
1: so no, I anyway know, i all know seattle uh, well i've spoken there uh, more than uh, once uh thanks uh daniel for that and uh We must pray that the second of the two victims uh, survives uh, this horrific, uh, deliberate uh, attempt to murder her. Uh, Brian is in Glasgow, but wants to talk about Joe Biden. Go ahead, Brian. Hi, Joe. Uh, Joe, I was going to say, sorry, George. No problem. George, since then you did announce that
6: you're uh, uh, going to be coming to Scotland. I was hoping that uh, I could ask you a question about that. Go ahead,
1: go ahead. You yeah, sure? I'm just yeah. I'd like
6: to prepare you for it. Go well, what would you intend to do about family law and the Children Act, which are currently uh, reviewing in a very mysterious way, I would say because of the shutdown of things like the Scottish Law Commission, they're doing it under the cover of COVID-19. But there are certainly issues there regarding incompatibility, regarding the status of unmarried fathers and the children of unmarried fathers who are the majority. It doesn't sit compatible with the ECHR rights. It's incompatible with parental rights and other stated principles in law. The in 2006 Family Law of Scotland Act, which my case was central to uh, influencing, and was quoted, uh, that Act did not address the substantive issues in my case, which was I was absent from my daughter's uh, license, uh, certificate, and that's the only conditionality now men enjoy. As of 2006, something close to the equivalent of a vote that they have to their children and it doesn't reflect nature. It doesn't reflect ECHR. It doesn't reflect the key tenets of Scottish law. And any parliamentarian, I should be able to question their ability to legislate. Well, look, uh,
1: Brian, uh, uh, I'm not uh, up to uh, commenting in detail on the, your case or the oh, no. or, or no, the no, act no, no. Uh, itself. Um, I should tell you, I'm not coming there to be a, a parliamentarian, so I'll not be able to oh, okay. uh, pass that. I, I'm coming uh, back into Scottish politics for one purpose only, and that is to uh, try and defeat uh, the, uh, uh, the perpetual hamster wheel politics uh, in which the country is currently locked. I have yep. only one purpose in Scottish politics, and that is to help and try to unite others to defeat the SNP uh, so that real politics in Scotland can begin again, like the issue that you have raised, like issues of education, of health, of the economy, uh, of, uh, of, of transport, of policing, of all the things that normal people argue about, real politics. As long George. as Scotland is locked, locked down, into a perpetual uh, constitutional mania over whether or not there's going to be another referendum on whether or not Scotland is going to be independent or not. We have to get away from that. That's my purpose. I've got no other purpose, Brian.
6: George, absolutely on the same hymn sheet with you, fantastic. And can I say, that's my whole point with them. If you actually were going, I can send you all. I did send you a letter of some of that. I've been corresponding with Police Scotland to the extent that I think they are uh, derelict in their duty. And the way they are grouping us uh, to their uh, political machinations, which, as you say, are almost distraction points on their inability to be effective in any sense with regards to the remit. Yeah, well, are well, well, Brian, almost
1: uh, a, a cultural maze. Yeah, e- exactly. Well, Brian, for example, uh, 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 a significant number of vigilantes gathered at the border yesterday in their space suits, their Chernobyl suits, screaming at English people to get the F out of Scotland. <laughs> And the police were standing there and did nothing about it, why? If they had been shouting at black people, if they'd been shouting at Jewish people, if they'd been shouting at Catholic people, something would have had to be done. It is surely at least a public order offense yeah. to be trying to be singling out English people at the border, coming across. All the while, by the way, when aeroplanes are landing in Edinburgh and Glasgow uh, with thousands (laughs) of uh, foreign, not British, foreign visitors to spend money in Scotland uh, without even so much as their temperature being taken. Uh, What kind of police force allowed that yesterday? Stood by while it all happened, in all its ugliness.
6: George, George, I have uh, stated quite clear to uh, the, uh, Police Scotland in an email, and I can send you a copy, that if uh, Police Scotland don't start having a word, even privately, with uh, uh, the Members of Parliament about their behaviour, as I interact with them, I will start reporting middle management. I will find some way to prove, because as like you just said there, there was definitely at least a Section 38 causing fear and alarm exactly. and attacking people exactly. for a protective status e- e- exactly.
1: in this case. Exactly. What if what I'd been, been there with my children in the car yeah, and a exactly. guy in a Chernobyl suit is screaming, <laughs> get the F out of Scotland in my yeah. car window? I child anyway. couldn't wipe that from their memory. I know, exactly. Brian, thank you very much indeed. I need to press on. Uh, alas, uh, there's Bill in Scotland uh, on uh, on Ghislaine. Go ahead, Bill. No, he's not there yet. Uh, let's go therefore to Joshua in London.
5: Are you all right, George?
1: Good mate. Go ahead quickly.
6: Yeah, I was going to just uh, ask about well, you know, the international state goat strikes again. That being Russia, of course. Yes. Yes. You know,
1: we're, there, we're, the, any, we're the whipping boys. Although it might be China next week. You never know.
6: Uh, I think it's probably a combination of both. That's sort exactly of Exactly. Access of, access of, uh, access of uh, like, you know, blame-wordiness. Blame uh, uh, you know, reprehensibility, I think, is the word. Yes. Anyway, yeah. I was just going to ask, while I do believe... Can easily believe that Russian oligarchs donated to the Conservative Party's campaign in 2019.
1: They did. Okay. Uh, they they would appear to have done so big time.
6: Yeah. No. No. I, I acknowledge that, and we can't. There's no point denying it. But I mean, the idea that they would hack the Leave referendum campaign when it would play right into the hands of the Remain's by saying, you know, by, by tainting the Leave campaign as a foreign agent when it was supposed to be a, a patriotic, nationalistic movement. I know for us it wasn't. We, we didn't vote necessarily for those same reasons as a lot of them did. But it, it would be self-defeating in practice for Russia to meddle in that, uh, to besmirch the Leave campaign because it would, it would just discourage people from voting to leave. Well, look, uh, Joshua, was- the,
1: the idea that the voters in Sunderland were waiting for a communique uh, from Vladimir Putin in the Kremlin to tell them that membership of the EU was not a good thing for them, hadn't worked out very well for them, is utterly absurd. And, of course, they keep talking about Russians. Oligarchs are living in London Mm -hmm. from Russia to get away from the Kremlin to get away from President Putin. They're living here in London because they've got something to run away from Russia for. The idea that because a Russian oligarch gives money to Boris Johnson's election campaign, that this is somehow the Russians, it's the opposite of the truth. These are Russians that Putin hates and who hate Putin. Got to go, Joshua. Bill is in Scotland, probably the last call. Bill, go ahead. Uh, George, I'm calling just uh, to mention about Maxwell. Yes.
17: Uh, and it's quite clear that she will do a deal. Just as sure as her father couldn't do the backstroke, she <laughs> will do <a>
1: <laughs> He never got the chance to do the deal, did he?
17: No, no. He was too busy uh, scuba diving.
1: Yeah. What's your take on that, Bill? I was quite uh, heavily involved in it at the time. And the fact that he, uh, he disappeared off the boat. Uh, as a lot of people think he committed suicide, but I knew Robert Maxwell quite well. And he never yeah. struck me as the sort of man that would, that would commit suicide.
17: I, I remember you being involved at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and yes, uh, you know I knew all of him only through the papers. Mm-hmm. My take on it is that he... Um, that he didn't fall, that he didn't uh, jump overboard. Uh, did he, Was he pushed? I don't know.
1: Well, he either jumped or he fell or he was pushed. I think the the, the jury's out still on uh, which of these three options actually happened, Bill. Uh, but you reckon that uh, Galen will uh, will sing? Will she sing on Prince Andrew? Oh, she'll sing like a bird. But where it goes from there, I don't know. Um, she will
17: sing there's no doubt about that to save her ass for she's, she's,
1: she's facing uh, she's 35-40 years in sing sing <laughs> never mind sing <laughs> Bill thanks for the call uh, I've got to clear the line because there's a legend on the line and you know the rules uh, the deck has to be cleared because it's Norma in Bristol go ahead my lovely Norma
18: hello Hi. Um, I. Uh, it's not relevant to the program which I've been listening to but This is my thought for the day. Okay. Um, On television, I watched this program about the philosopher Socrates. The greatest, yes. The Greek. Yes. And he lived about two and a half centuries ago. Yes. And he searched for the truth. Now, there were questions like, what makes us truly happy? And it might sound trite, but he said, finding our soul. And then there was another question, um, how to be human. And he always, he said, always search. Now, that's what you do, and that's what I do, and a lot of people do. We search, don't we? Um, and that is so important nowadays. Um, but, how, however, he was sadly executed with Boys. hemlock poison, Boys. and uh, because he wasn't popular with his so-called Greek democracy. But I, I have got a great regard for Socrates.
1: Me too, Uh, and his name liveth uh, forevermore, so the people that poisoned him are long uh, forgotten. Uh, The the most important Socratic principle uh, that I support, Norma, is that the richest among us should be no more than three times richer than the poorest among us. And imagine what a transformative thing that would be if the poorest person in the country uh, was... Uh, was, uh, if, if the richest was not more than three times richer than the poorest person in the country, if the first person in the line could always see the, first per- the last person in the line, and the last person in the line could always see the first person in the line, that kind of society would be a much happier society than the one we've got now, Norma. Uh, I'm sure you agree with me, uh, on that thank you norma as always for bringing the show to i hope a successful conclusion it's been marvelous for me i hope it was for you and if it was come back next week at the same time same place and bring another listener or viewer with you